I used to long for that, bro. Like as a man, having that kind of closeness with their mom. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Hey, we back, man. Back yeah. and at it. Yes, sir. Got some special guests. We got, yeah, we got a panel up in this. A, <laughs> a panel. Yeah. A prestigious brothers. Yeah, we do. I can dig it. Rocky, Brocky, whiskey and kicks. Yeah. Yes, sir. That dude Joey. That's good, man. Named guy. Joe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all, man. Appreciate the welcome, yo. Took yes, us a sir. while to get it together, but we got it together. Nah, that's good, did. man. It's all, it's all the you know, industry stuff, you know, cameras, yeah. lights, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we watch what you guys do, man, and how y'all chop it up and talk about the sneakers, man, and just collab and yep. Yep. discuss dope shit. And we uh, thought of a topic today to kind of marinate in and see what we can pull out of it. And yep. uh, but first, you know, before we get started, thank you, Brocky, man. If you can just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, how hey, people man. can find out about you. I'm I'm Brocky, man. Um, you know, I have a show. I have a business called uh, Whiskey and Kicks. And, um, you know, it's multiple segments and things that I do. Uh, I have a show called The Whiskey and Kick Show, where I get out and I interview uh, bartenders, distillers, everybody in the industry and talk about booze and shoes. I'm a sneaker. I'm a sneaker person. So, and I'm a whiskey person, too. So, this is what I'm doing out here, man. And um, just overall, just trying to be creative, man. That's dope, man. Constantly. Dope show, dope concept, dope everything. Appreciate it, yo. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. And, Joe, what about you, brother? Man, I'm, uh, uh, you know. I'm, uh, I guess I'm all thing jack of all trades, masters of none, man. <laughs> Community activist guy. I'm all over the place advocating, coaching, all types of stuff. And then, you know, with, uh, with Whiskey and Kicks, we just kind of took our regular conversations about sneakers and all that. Yeah, yeah. Kind of on a, on a public platform, man, so we have a good time with it. But, yeah. you know, so I'm, I, I do a lot of things in the, in the community, like I said, advocate. Things like that. And we can't leave out the fact, man, you got this motherfucking sultry ass, uh, very white voice man, and shit. Man, listen, you know, I gotta, I gotta, gotta figure out how to monetize this thing, man. They're starting to abuse me over yeah, it, man. I ain't never heard nobody describe a man's voice as sultry. That's the first, bro. Hey, man, I'm trying to compliment the brother, and I couldn't come up with another word. All right. I, but, I appreciate but, it. But it wasn't, it wasn't in, like, no yeah, moist it way. It wasn't. But it came moist. off moist. No, I didn't nah, come off. It, 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 it came yeah, it off jerking fire. It was good. <laughs> there are plausible and non-pausable terms. That is right. That is a non-pausable term. Thank you, bro. We're good, good, yeah. good money over yeah, there. Yeah, I just want to acknowledge that it kind of surprised me. <laughs> yeah, it, it stood it, out. Right. It ain't, it ain't offend me, it just surprised me. So, we spent the last few weeks kind of digesting this whole Kanye documentary. Yeah. They did it in three parts. Yeah. Vision, purpose, and... Uh, what was the other one? The last one. The, um, oh, something like that. I just I'll looked you, it up. Hold I, on. It's right here. I don't remember it either. I just I pulled it up. That's what the hell I want on my vision, purpose, and awakening. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, vision, purpose, and awakening. Um, how many people are Kanye fans? I am. I am. How many people were? 
Kanye fan. <laughs> this is getting. I like. It. I like where we're headed. I like where we're headed. Um, so, Kanye is a complex individual to me. Okay. And in his complexities, I have a complex relationship with him. <laughs> okay. I like that. Right. Okay. So there are moments where I am a huge fan of his <clears throat> pun intended genius. There are moments where. The community advocate in me cringes, and I can't board that train. Um, and then there are also moments where I have the aerial view, where I say, in order to be this genius, there's also other things that come along with it. Yeah. And so I respect the full package. Yeah. So I'm all of those things when it comes to him. So yeah, I, I would, I would, I would say the same thing, man. I, I don't know how like it. it it's complex in the sense that, you know, I see his authenticity, like he lives everything out loud in front of, you know, whatever, mistakes, triumphs, all of that. Uh, but the contradictions in that journey, sometimes I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know, kind of like, I got to kind of take a look at and and consume before I, you know, before I'm on board with what he's doing. Sometimes that kind of, it, it it rubs me a weird way. But I, I, I accept what he's doing and how he's doing it, but sometimes it kind of rubs me in a strange way. Is that any different than how we deal with everybody? Um, like don't, don't we all walk around with contradictions? Yes. True. Yeah. Yes. Of that nature? There yeah. is a difference. Yeah. There, is, there is a difference. Because there are, there are pieces of Kanye that I wouldn't accept or be friends with in my regular life. Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't, I don't have to, I don't have to accept it from him because of who he is in that space. So <clears throat> I, I can be, you know, a person can be a visionary, a person can be um, confident, a person can be all of those things. Um, and then a person can be too much. Right, and if you're too much, then you could then I don't technically have to deal with you being too much. Sure. That's a part of the contradiction. The contradiction yeah. isn't monolithic. Right. It's you know contradictions come in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. I think it's what's on the other side of your <clears throat> contradictory scale. Yeah. Is you know what I mean. And and sometimes, man, even to to your what you just said, man, made me think about myself, like how I live in this. You know, sometimes in these very contradictory things. Of, what I say and, and what I do might not connect mm -hmm. or what I think or how I move might not connect together. Uh, and, and I get on my own damn nerves sometimes you know what <laughs> I'm in those spaces. No yeah. But, and I see that in him. So I, that's why I'm saying like, I can, I can accept his authenticity and, and the bullshit that he does because I see it in myself, but that don't mean I like it because no I don't like it in myself. Yeah. I can dig it. So, in looking at the first joint, right, the vision, what was it about that first one that stood out the most to you guys? I can go first on this one. Um, you know, what, what stood out the most to me in that first one was his self-identity that his mom instilled in him. Mm -hmm. a, a little thing that I noticed in that first episode is that whenever his mother referred to him, she referred to him as Kanye. Right. No matter what the situation was, 
It wasn't like this boy crazy or this boy doing it. It was always Kanye does this, Kanye does that. And he was very aware of who he was from the beginning. And, you know, it carried on throughout. I don't want to jump ahead, but it carried on throughout those those episodes. So that stood out a lot. His self-identity from when he was young and the confidence that it gave him. And, you know, he just took off with it. That was his foundation right there. Yeah. I... I guess I'll yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that too, but I also saw the there was even then there was a there was there was conflicting things happening. Like he, you know, wanted this this fame and this, these opportunities started. He was getting it, right? He was getting some traction, but it seemed to contradict who he was, right? To me, it felt like that he was trying to be something that he really what was not it felt that way to me like when i hear him talk and i hear the thing just listening to his words you know it's it's almost like he's trying to convince himself of something in his in his mind mm-hmm. but he has the confidence and a talent to do the things that he's doing but it just sounded like in that early one that he's trying to to find something or be something that's that's crazy interesting <laughs> right there because um that just in my own life Seeing the industry, seeing a lot of things, being around a lot of things, I, I have no desire to be um, famous or rich, to be honest. Right. Because I, what I see that comes with that, like the the wealth that I have and how I live my life today, mm-hmm. serves me well. Right. So, I I don't really chase after that and. Him being a younger man, we all, I mean, you know, we were all young. Right. We all, everybody wants to be rich. Everybody right. wants to be, you know what I'm saying? And I think he definitely wanted to go after those things. And I, and I agree that it probably conflicted with a lot of things that, um, you know, who he was right. as a person. What about you, Joe? There were a few things in there. <clears throat> um, one, I looked at it as a father of a creative, yeah. right? <clears throat> My daughter is a creative in every sense of that. <laughs> How old so is she? She's 18 now. Okay. She's headed off to college. My oldest um, is already in college. But my, my, my youngest is, is Kanye. And there were moments in that first episode where I did some like internal deep diving um, when I looked at the confidence that he had from, that was instilled in him from his mother, mm-hmm. right? Even down to the point that no one on this planet says his name the way she does. Yeah, right? yeah. I saw, yep. <laughs> she says it with a different, the, there's a, the, uh, the, um, the way she pronounces his name. Yeah. It it hits differently it does. between the A and the N. It's I like the Kanye. Yeah, Kanye. It's, it's a completely yeah. different way, which which then I was able to look at that and realize, you know, why that was all, why she was always home base for him. Yeah, because no matter how the rest of the world mispronounced his name, mm-hmm. said his name, even the way he says his own name mm-hmm. yeah. is different than the way she says it to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even how she, they spelled it on the album that time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so in that, it, it showed, the, for me, the power that a parent has over mm-hmm. creating this person to go out into the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, 
he went with that, that confidence. I then saw um, kind of what you were talking about, his discomfort in those early stages. He had this thing inside of him mm-hmm. that even though he knew it was there, his mother kept telling him it's there. Um, he, he didn't, he kept trying to get everyone to see it, mm-hmm. but he was also wrestling with not being who he actually was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Silencing, suppressing mm-hmm. some of his voice mm-hmm. so that way people could hear him at, on their terms mm-hmm. and then feeling confident that once they hear him, mm-hmm. he could be his authentic self. Because yeah. once they get it, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm not gonna be all yeah. that I am. Right? <laughs> and so, um, so I, I, I saw that in the, in the first episode. And then I saw um, just, just blatant disregard for people not valuing you um, and what you bring to the table, mm-hmm. right? They want, you know, I hate to be cliche, like they want to keep you in a box, mm-hmm. but they literally wanted to keep Kanye yeah. in a box. They yeah. wanted him to only make beats, yep. so much so that they literally disrespected him mm-hmm. in multiple occasions yeah. when he was trying to give you yeah. something. Yeah. And then yeah. to be the same people to benefit Yep. immensely right. yeah. from what they try to suppress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Besides Jay-Z, yeah. there's no one else on that label mm-hmm. who performed or gave to that label yeah. what Kanye did. Right? Yeah. And, and all the attention argue, they were putting in other people at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. You would argue who gave the most. Yeah. Yeah. Right? There's a solid argument yes. there yeah. that they overall tried, <laughs> literally had hands in suppressing. Yeah. And we're watching songs that we know today are cult classics. Right. People just literally walk past and be like, you know, Dame is like, yo, I got somewhere to be. Like, out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Y'all can sit around here, but we're going to keep, I got yeah. somewhere. Like, you know, so. And they, but they're looking at the g- little girl. I don't even know who she was. She's a little girl. And like, oh, yeah, we want her. Yeah. Where, where do we sign type shit? Yeah. And but then he's he, sitting there. He's yeah. sitting there with this. You know this thing that can that is literally going to change music. Yeah. And they're like, nah, little Lily though. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think I think in that moment, Jan noticed that too, right? And I think um, Kanye may have known it, but I think Dane was just gassing, right? Just like he was gassing Kanye. Um, as far as you know, being signed to Rockefeller, you know, you got it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know you. No, I got your lawyer information. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sign this little he girl gassing. here. Yeah. He's 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 gassing, but still, it's like, yo, yeah. why are we wasting time doing this? I got yeah. Jesus walks. Yeah, I got Jesus walks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have this belief in the way that the universe works that whatever you want something, the universe asks you to prove it. And they do it through, so it's like when you, um, and a, a, a baseline, simple example I give is when, you know, you that dude who out playing around with a bunch of chicks and then you decide you want to be with a girl or get married or whatever. Now these girls is coming out of the woodworks <laughs> with all the bullshit and asking all these questions and propositioning you with all this different stuff. It's like, if you, if you say you want to be committed to this thing, if you say you want this thing, the universe is going to say, prove it. And they're proof and they're, and they're, and the universe is giving you an opportunity to demonstrate that through various scenarios. What we perceive to be adversity sometimes is actually the thing that I feel is preparing us mm-hmm. 
to getting us through. Because mm-hmm. I feel like Kanye wouldn't be who he is now without those doors getting slammed. And it actually was the fire that his coal had to go through to, 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 to produce that diamond and to create this way. Because mm-hmm. when you're saying that he has to uh, say something out loud, I've got that voice in my head that I ain't shit, right? And so sometimes I have to verbalize it Mm -hmm. just so that I can, I'm saying it more to myself so that I can get the energy going so that I can do that thing, that whatever it is that I'm saying that I want to do. And that was one of the things that actually stood out to me the most about what he was doing because it was just like, shit, you got to say it. When nobody else, when you want to be in the fashion business and you, there's nothing about you that says you should be in the fashion business. <laughs> how do you, how do you get to that point? Like, what does that, that big ass gap, how do you get there? And I've never done those. I guess I've done things in my life similar, relatively speaking, but um, I think it starts with the word and, and, and with his mom having that in him, I feel like it, it kind of helped. How many who got a good relationship with their mom without going? Yeah, I do. I do. Everybody's solid? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's stuff solid? Yeah. How do you feel that that played a role in, like, the man that you are and, like, how you show up and the confidence that you have, you know, in yourself? Man, that's a, that's a deep question right there. Sure. I oh. can answer it. I think about it all the time. You do? All the time. I think for me today... Um, so I didn't actually graduate high school, right? Mm. I, it was this big fight. I got suspended, yada, yada, yada. They told me (laughs) I wouldn't graduate. So I never actually put on a cap and gown to graduate high school. I finished and then I immediately left for the Air Force. So I have my diploma, but my mother and my father who you know, came here from Trinidad, worked all their lives, did all of those things. Um, I cheated them out of that experience, right? I came in the Air Force because in 11th grade, me and my friends got stuck up for our coats on Christmas night. (laughs) When we came home, my mom asked us a question. At the time, we were young, I'm from Philly, we are living the normal inner city life, it didn't make a difference. And when she asked us whether we, what happened was my friend that was with me told the entire story, right? <laughs> they had guns, they put the guns in such and such head. Like he gave my mom the nitty gritty, right? My mom asked, did we care whether we lived or died? I answered, no, mm. right? As, a, as an 11th grader in Philadelphia in the 90s, like, I didn't see anything wrong with my response. Mm. My mom basically like cried for like a week. You know, my dad was just angry and just left it at that. Um, And so you factor that in, I end up signing up for the Air Force, go to 12th grade, get into this huge fight. I don't get to graduate, at least don the cap and gown, right? I join the Air Force, I leave, I go to Korea. For me, there was this thing for a long time to make to make my mom proud, right? To make my parents proud 
for cheating them out of this moment, right? The moment that now as a father that I have daughters that I made sacrifices for and they graduate, it, it, was, it was even more weight. Mm. Over time, my mother and I, and uh, Rocky will tell you, my mother and I have, have always had this incredible relationship. We're like more like brothers and sisters <laughs> than, wow. than anything. Um, but even with that, there was always still this little thing of wanting to make my mama proud, right? And so over the years, as I started to kind of transition into some of the man I am now, even through fatherhood and things like that, um, my mom would start to say it, just like, I'm proud of you. You know what I mean? I'm proud of what you did, or, you know, this is what, you're dope, or that's dope. You know what I mean? My mom watches Whiskey and Kicks more than, like, she'll, after an episode comes out, she'll hit me and be like, yo, Eddie, uh, Brahe, he, he killed you with them sneakers. <laughs> like, really? like, that's, that's all you had to oh, offer? Like, <laughs> he hit you with the glow-in-the-dark choice? You haven't come back yet for like four episodes. When are you going to get she back? She watches more than anybody in my family, straight up. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. she's dumb supportive, man. And so, um, so it's, it's interesting. And that's, one of, that's another one of the things I saw in the episode. Like, I understand how he feels like he can take on the world, man. Because when you have that, like, and, you know, not to get ahead, but actually I won't get ahead. You have that. And, 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 I, and I definitely understand it. Yeah. Joe. I am so, I don't, I don't even know if jealous is the right word. But I used to long for that, bro. Like, as a man, having that kind of closeness with their moms. Mm-hmm. And I had to just reserve my feelings and ideas to the fact that we just don't have that kind of relationship. And like, I did have a Donda. She just wasn't the one that I wanted. And once I started like shifting my expectation and all of that kind of shit and just kind of like seeing it for what it was, it was a, it was a dope thing, man. But I would be lying if I said I never like, it's something that I just pick up on, like just instinctively. When I meet a dude or a homeboy, I connect with a brother. Like I'm real in tune with the fact that if he's cool with his moms and shit, and like what that's like. It's like a, it's an immediate motherfucking thing, bro. And uh, I like living through it and hearing it because it, in my mind I get to create this picture. Like even as you're describing, like the idea of motherfucking wanting to. Uh, make somebody proud. I've never wanted to make any motherfucking body proud. Like, and just thinking about like how that can like drive a behavior, like a positive behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's some dope shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely redefines the definition. Well, I guess that's redundant um, of role model. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, um, or mentor, right? And so when you, as you travel out to the world, you start to understand, especially when you're in those, those spaces, to be that, to be a mentor to someone, you understand what it is and, and how it functions. And then you can see sometimes, at least I can see in, in my um, position, where that's what's been, in essence, kind of done for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, with my mom, and I don't have to look out 
side for heroes or role models or things like that. Now, I'm not saying that they don't exist. Right, right, right. Because right. my mom doesn't do what I want to do. Right? So <laughs> right. like, I need to yeah, yeah. find that. But I also right. see large pieces of my life and the things that I do um, that are direct reflections of what she introduced me to yeah. at different stages in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's deep. Because, you know, my mom, man, I, as I was watching Kanye interact with his, like, you know, I just always remember my mom, when she talks to, you know, I got three brothers. And when she talks to me or she talks about them or talks to us, you can see that she looks at us no matter what, what's happened, what we've done, what, what the situation is. She sees, like, it's almost like she sees your spirit, your soul, not just what you do, right? So when she, like, when my mom, I can always depend on my mom to talk to me, talk to the best part of me, like that baby, that spirit that came out that she took care of, that, that joyful spirit, mm -hmm. not the shit that I'm going through, right? So no matter what I was going through or what I was experiencing, I can always depend. And that's the voice that I can identify with her, that there's something better, always something better inside of me. And that's, that's what I identify with Kanye. When she talks to him, she doesn't talk to the Kanye that's the producer, the Kanye that's the rapper. She talks to the Kanye that is, I don't know, man, there's a, and I, and I see that in my son. Right. I see the not the mistakes they make or the, you know, the shortcoming, which is minimal. But, you know, or any of that, I see the there's a something inside of them that's bigger than all of the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And that's I think I get that from my mom, because no matter what, man, when I talk to my, you know, I lost my mom in 2017. And when I would talk to her, man, she would like talk to talk life into me, mm -hmm. not just talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Now, she would, you know, she'd cuss some motherfucker out for, for mistakes <laughs> yeah. that you made. Yeah, but yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, yeah. she will speak to that life inside yeah. of you, not to, you know, what was going on. I think that, I think my mom lives through me because that's how I try to interact with, with them in that way. Wow. That's dope for both of y'all. I think y'all kind of yeah. share that. And I kind of share my stance with James a little bit more. Like, my mom and I cool but my, my dad was everything to me he was a right. superman to me so my that was just it so even you know when i call home it's like um you know I my mom answered the phone I, I talked to her for a couple minutes it's like where daddy at right and then we on the phone for an hour and a half right, you right. know what i mean so it's so but i do want to note one thing that i picked up in the doc that i think donda for one that that episode made me love donda right just because of what she was. Right. And I think this kind of stemmed from what you were saying. Like, I admire that. You know what I mean? That he had that. He had a mom like that and whatnot. Not to knock my mom, because she played her. When I identified what the relationship was supposed to be, then, you know, we flourished and right. whatnot. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but I think Donda may have wanted that, what you guys are talking about, because Kanye, say, he said that, because he was born in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and Donda told his dad, yeah. don't come looking for us. If you do, you will never 
see this boy. Yeah, yeah. So I think she sacrificed yeah. his relationship with his dad mm-hmm. in order for her to be that person. I'm not saying it was bad intention right. or anything of that nature. She might have had his, his best for him in her mind, but he said that, and I picked that up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that probably affected I mean? him too, I think. So your your relationship with your father, has it always been like that, or is that oh, something that... Superman, so it's always, been. always, son. I can't swim, take me on a boat into the middle of the water. Yeah. I'll go with him. You know what I'm saying? It's always just been my, my dad, everything. So, yeah. And those factors, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know... It was, you know, I, I grew up in a household where there was part, like, my, my dad really ran game on me a little bit, <laughs> right? I grew up in a household with parties, and there was drugs and there, things of that nature, not, you know, the super hardcore type of stuff, but it was around, you know what I mean? All the kids stay upstairs and all the, yeah. all the you know, the, the parents mm-hmm. downstairs. Yeah. And some of the stuff that my mom was into, I didn't like, but later in life, I found out my dad was he just didn't expose me to it. Right, 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 right. right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, good move. You yeah. know what I mean? It worked yeah. out. So that's why things worked out the way they did. So it sounds like at that there's a Donda, whether it's whether it's mother or father, the 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 position. And I'm and I'm saying that because knowing you personally, while it wasn't your mom who was it, the battery in your back. Yeah. is your dad, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And well, it could be it could be a multiple things because I yeah. know you got multiple people in your life who who sort of speak to that, yeah. you know, speak in that space. And those people you cherish. Some for some people it may be a grandma, right? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It could be so. So I think I think one of the good things as we're talking about this, one of the good things is to for people to to identify who their Donda is. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That speaks to their yep. soul, whichever way it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, his dad is a, is a wild guy. Like, his <laughs> stories are fantastic. That's great. Yeah. But when you see the two of them together, they're the same. Like, I know one time we went to, to Rochester and I took a picture and they didn't even notice it. Like, they were washing their cars doing the same exact thing at the same exact time. Right? And it's... It's it's really really wild to see, mm-hmm. and so when you know he's putting it mildly to say that his dad is Superman to him, but it really is yeah. that. It and so it it helps frame this this conversation, like I said, to and and like you just said, for people to identify who their Donda is, because yeah. it may not just be your mom. Yeah. And that and that's why I was having a conversation last night, and someone was talking about how looking at Donda made them feel a certain way about their parenting style. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to your point to remember, like we don't lift these people up to, to judge ourselves, but to just understand like what the similarities are. Mm-hmm. Because to your point, our Donda might be a dude. It might be an uncle, it might mm-hmm. be, you know, but whoever it is, and that's kind of like in the bigger scheme of Kanye and looking at him and, and analyzing and critiquing the, 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 the parts of him, it's always, to me, an opportunity to, 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 to put the lens back onto me and to figure out like how I'm showing up in that way with all the contradictions and with all of the you know, other shit. Cause there's a lot that could be learned through the brother and some of the stuff. And, yeah. you know, and I don't know what that kind of life is like. And it's, it's, um, 
And then going to the the second one, I used to, and, and it's so weird that so many parts of him make me reflect back to insecurities that I have, if that makes sense. Like, like watching a man just, whatever it is, whether it's vibrato, whether it's manufactured, whatever, whatever it is, it's genuine. It's like, okay, what is, how do I look like on the inside about my shit and about how I feel? And I used to think that I didn't matter in certain instances. And now I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, this motherfucker really thinks he matters in the world. (laughs) Like he really, at least that's how I feel. Like he thinks he can make a difference. And it's crazy to think about the contrast between the two. So, you know, we're talking about purpose, which is the part two of it. I spent so much of my life, bro, thinking that, like, I didn't matter. And, like, so whether a nigga moved or not really didn't matter. You know, whether I got up or didn't get up, you know, and these are the shit that go through your head with depression and all of this so other shit. And, and that can be a debilitating part of the spectrum. But there's the other part of the spectrum that I feel Kanye represents to a degree, which is what do you do when you feel like you really motherfucking do matter? Right. And, and how heavy of a weight is that? And how do you build a purpose around, you know, kind of moving in a way to bring that to light without feeling like the whole world is on you? Because I feel like he does feel like he matters. Right. And how do you manage that? Yeah. Because yeah. I think he really feels like he can do anything. So what stops, I'm going extreme, but what stops him from jumping off a cliff because he thinks he can fly? Like, yeah. That's not far from the realm of possibilities where a person who really feels like they can do anything. I yeah. think he feels like he can do anything he sets his mind to. Yeah, that's that's the um and I, I, I hear you, James, um, in the sense that he feels like and I see that he feels like he matters, but I also see moments where he where I where it, and it might be my own because I felt that way too. Like I don't like I have to validate myself to any and everything around me to feel like that I'm like that I'm important that I matter. So I have to do all the shit that everybody wants me to do in order for them to say good job, pat me on my head. And I feel like oh now I'm you know what I'm saying. And what when I look at him sometimes, and it might be like I said my own I how I identify with him. I see him trying to matter, like not just being, but trying to matter or trying to let everybody know that he matters, right? In a way that, cause he can move around in what he does quietly, right? And still do all the things that he's accomplished, right? But he's really sort of verbalizing that he matters and why he matters and all the great shit he does and all the things, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm trying to like wrestle with, is that hubris? Is that him trying to convince himself that he matters? He, does he not feel like he can move quietly? Does it, does it have to be loud in, in these grand gestures? I think it can be a part of the purpose. So, which is, which is like the, the, the second the main reason why me and you wanted to get on this joint, dog, is because we wanted to talk about shit that we felt nobody else was motherfucking talking about. Facts. And it wasn't enough for us to just be quiet no longer right. about the right. shit. And right. so I feel like in some instances, when, when I sent that Black Future 
thing. And he was talking about how somebody was trying to get over him about like not being a billionaire. He wants that known because he wants people to understand that you can make it outside of the status quo, outside of just dribbling a basketball or throwing a ball or catching a ball or something like that. And how you can actually be outspoken. You can be confident. You can, you can buck the system. You can speak your truth. You can, you can be counter to things that are um, popular or, or, you know, even align with your group, whatever it is at that time, and still find a way to make it through. And so for him, I feel like a part of his narrative is speaking what that shit is so that, so that it can make its way through the system to get to other places. So it's interesting that you, that the conversation has gone to this point because I'm at, a, at an interesting place in my own life with that. Finding the balance between confidence in the dope shit I do and have accomplished and the natural order of the black man to always live in a humble nature, right? Mm -hmm. So where do I find the space between, listen, I just revamped my daughter's entire school with diversity and wearing that as a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? I got the first black principal in her school in 65 years. Is that real? That's real deal. I did shit like that, right? But then how do I, how do I then remain humble Right? Yeah. To not, to still be, I don't want to say acceptable, because that's the wrong word, but I'll say it. I'll, I'll, I'll stay there. To be acceptable in a space where I don't turn everyone off. There's a, there's a space that Kanye is in where we watched him be forced not to live that way. Mm-hmm. Him get the success that he knew he was capable of mm-hmm. and from that moment forward decide to never back burner that ever again. Yeah. Now yeah. it went unbridled. Yeah. Right. And now right. he's, you know, he can say Wide open. he what stops him from jumping off the cliff because right. he believe he can do anything. Right. Right. But then I guess the other side of that weight would be jumping off the cliff for him. He would do it. Right, mm-hmm. but he'd find a way to do it to make <laughs> other people either a want to do it and then still be mm-hmm. around right. to, to tell, tell everyone I did it. Yeah, and then, right. And there's a is there a pendulum that swings? So at one end, when he was you know really sort of muted and nobody you know people just wanted him for you know beats or whatever, he couldn't really express himself. Um, and he and he lived in that sort of subdued space. Right to swing the other way, where you know, where it's too much. Is there is is that yeah. two sides? Of the so same thing? I, that's, that's what I'm. And I think that's so. That's for the individual. And I think that's one of the things that his mom said. When a giant looks in the mirror, he sees nothing. Like, oh, it's the value that we are assigning to the story as the individual. So. I could sit here and be like, yeah, I'm dope as a motherfucker. Not, 
because I'm looking in the mirror and seeing a giant, but because I'm looking in the mirror and seeing what's being reflected. Right. And what's being reflected is the motherfucker who just got the first black principal in the joint in the first 65. And you can say that and you can feel all of the positive feelings associated around accomplishing that and sharing that without adding the other piece onto it of the other shit. Like, because what we're concerned about is what other people's perception of it is. And that's one of the things that I actually like about what it is that he's doing is that he really doesn't care. He could be full of shit. He could be all of the things that we think he is, but he also could be all of the other shit that he says he is. Right. But whatever that is, isn't really my concern. What I feel like my concern is how concern is, is how can I show up without dimming my light dog and how that be so motherfucking common in our society and culture and even between each other that when people don't, it makes us feel a certain way. So where's the line in the sand? Not where. How big or small is the line in the sand between confidence and conceit? Well, let's let's add let's add something into this. Uh, one, we exist in a completely different universe than he than he does. Absolutely right. I don't believe it. Uh, Hollywood, you, can, you know, what I'm saying what is it? None of what uh, here and half of what you see, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a point where he said he told Cootie, "Don't put the documentary out yet because I don't want people to know who I really am. I'm acting right now." Mm -hmm. So there's some years mm -hmm. that went by that he was he was intentional in his arrogance. And on the documentary, you're saying? It's on the documentary. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you feel like he was intentional in his arrogance on the documentary. No. no, no. Or in his Because he told Cooley to stop recording. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh, no, no. He told him to don't put the documentary out yet. I think they thought that they were done at that point. Okay. Mm -hmm. He okay. said, you yeah, know, yeah. let's chill. I don't want people to see who I really am. Right. I'm acting right now. Right. And so he's out there acting a the fool, doing whatever he wants to do. Right. And it lends to his actual, one of his uh, uh, principles, I guess. What he always preaches is that we shouldn't have to do what society tells us we have to do or be what they think we should be. He said Obama had to be perfect. Mm -hmm. He had to be, you know, you can't, you can't, say, you can't mm -hmm. get emotional. You can't to be too far this way. You can't be too far that way. You got to be this. Why can't I just be myself at, at all times and, and that be accepted? You know what I mean? So you should never have to dim your, your light. You know what I mean? But there's a way to do that without being arrogant. And we're not Hollywood. We don't have the Hollywood influence. I think there's a lot of diva that's seeped into his DNA over time, over time. And that happened to a lot of people in Hollywood. Um, you know, but in our world, I think that we can, you can, you know, publicize that uh, that type of accomplishment that you know, this person, I mean, I know what you did, you know what I'm saying? Cause we talk and whatnot, but people should know that. Right. Cause there's someone else whose child might be in the school, and there's some, some uh, diversity issues there, there's some discrimination issues there, and they don't know what to do about it. Yeah, We, we gotta do a better job. Here's the reality of it, I feel like, dude. We are the most beautiful motherfuckers to have ever existed from our perspective. From this vantage point out, I'm at this table, I'm at this chair, you in that spot, you in that spot, you in our spot. We're the most beautiful, most perfect, most motherfucking everything combined into all of that. 
everything that we say outside of that is just a way of making it smaller, diminishing it, mm -hmm. diminishing it, diminishing it, diminishing it to make other people around us feel mm. better. And what we need sometimes, I feel, is an example of what that looks like. One of the main reasons why me and him started this, we got tired of seeing bullshit be propagated. Bullshit be elevated and shine lights on and all of that old kind of shit. And it was just, we got to start showing that. And I don't know what that looks like and how it is for the individual. And somebody's going to call you arrogant, dude. Somebody's going to call me arrogant. Somebody's going to call me a liar. Whatever it is, we just got to keep moving and just being okay with it. Yeah, and, and how much is, like, as I looked at him in that second one, I always, and this is something I've, I've really sort of, and like you said, look at, like, self-aware. What role does that play in, in how you understand how we move around? Because a lot of times we get so, again, it's a balance. You're looking in a mirror, you're seeing this, this projection of perfection in your, to you, right? But are you self-aware enough to understand that there are things moving around? There is a universe that pushes you in a direction. There's things that come outward, there's things that come in. And how or do all of those things play a role in your accomplishments, failures, challenges, and opportunities, right? And... And where does that fit when you look at that giant? How do you self-awarely say, okay, I am great, right? But am I great? <laughs> you're great because you're great. And I, so when she's, here's what I broke down, because I thought this shit was deep. I thought about it for a minute. When a giant looks in the mirror, he sees nothing. The giant is, I feel, the, the, the word used because it's in comparison to other things that are smaller. But when you're looking in the mirror, you're not comparing yourself to anything else, which makes the value giant actually go away. You see, I don't know if what I'm saying it's making sense. You, you yeah. are, so I've, I've heard it. I've heard it described in another way. I've, um, I've heard a person ask individuals, "When did they know they were something?" Meaning, when did you know you were a woman? When did you know you were black? When did you find out you were A, B, C, D, or E? Right? And it's the same premise of that giant in the mirror. The giant in the mirror just sees him, right? At some point, people outside identify or, or um, uh, attach a label to him that now he is the giant, right? Mm -hmm. But when he comes home and he looks in the mirror, he just sees himself, yeah. right? And so um, I've, I've heard it described as a Damascus moment also, right? Mm -hmm. Like at right. what point did... Something happened in your life where you now realized you are either different, mm -hmm. right? Better than, less than, whatever it is that you attached a title to yourself. Because to your point, mm -hmm. the giant doesn't see, he's nothing. He's just this thing. Yeah. It's when he leaves that mirror and he goes out into society, which mm -hmm. is what 
you know, why we have to deal with societal norms and you're talking about not so much parallel universes, but living in different spaces in the worlds we live in, right? What are we in those spaces? Do we, do we um, take hold or grab hold of some of those labels? Mm -hmm. Or do we leave those labels right where they are in our confidence of who we are, mm. right? So do we live our lives perpetually in that mirror? And, and what I took from her statement was that. Yes. When I look in that mirror, yeah. I need to see whatever it is I am. And when I leave this mirror and I go out into society, I need to always remember I'm the person in that mirror, regardless of what that label is. If I'm a giant, like that. Yeah. then I'm then doesn't matter. I'm still Joe. Yeah. If I'm you know if I'm the small person, then it doesn't matter because I'm still Joe. And I walk with that confidence of whatever I always see in the mirror. And that is the contradiction in Kanye to me. So him being authentically him seems to always be compared to something that he's done, comparison to other people that he couldn't do, that they didn't let him do, and he did anyway, and all of those things. To me, that's not being authentically looking in that mirror and say, I'm just doing me. I don't give a fuck about whether they accept me or not. That don't matter to me. I'm just moving in the way that I'm moving. And that's the, that's the push and pull with being kind. But aren't there societal norms that we have to push against to a degree? And, that, and, that, and that's it. Because when you're trying to change the narrative, bro, like how do you, how do you just... What he, he feels like what he does matters. He can't just be quiet. But being quiet... Is is I'm not I'm not saying he shouldn't be quiet. Of course, he should be him. But again, the the conflict for me is being him. He's to me a lot of the times comparing himself to other things and not just being him, not just moving forward in what he does. He feels like his loudness has to be. Compared to this, and they didn't let like him Walt do that. Disney, they, Steve they, Jobs. Exactly, he cares. exactly. He cares. Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, and, <laughs> and all he these cares the fashion designers think. and all this shit, and they didn't let him and all of that. Instead of just doing him, because I so that's the these. Sorry to cut you. Off. The, those are the markers of excellence. But that's a mistake. Those comparisons to me. I, I, I understand. And are I, they comparisons? I don't think they are. Are they comparisons? Because if 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 I'm if I have the Yeezy collection of sneakers that have lit, that has literally changed footwear, right? And I'm holding on to that. And Nike tells me no. Um, such and such tells me no, but. On the backside, I remind them that all of your fashion brands that you look to are people that have come that are attached to me. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, and then this one brand decides to give me the shot because I have to do that. Right? Like I, I, I have to. It's like I tell, like when my daughter used to sew in fifth grade, right? And I used to beg her to learn how to hem pants, right? And I used to say, Morgan, learn how to hem some pants. You can knock those things out in a heartbeat. 
You can live in this neighborhood where everybody goes to work every day. You can hem pants and you'll make money and then you can go make your own this, that, and the third. But she was like, nah. <laughs> I don't want to learn how to hem pants. <laughs> and I don't care what it gives me. Mm. I'm not going to learn how to hem pants to be that. I'm just going to be that. Right? And I think that's what Kanye is saying. Like, I'm just going to be that. Now, some people are telling me I got to be this. But I'm letting you know, while you loving, you know, Louie, that's me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's me. I think the same thing that happened to him in the music industry happened to him. Not I think. The same thing that happened to him in the music industry happened, happened to him in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. He came into the music saying... This is the dopest thing you've ever heard. No one's ever done anything like this, so on and so forth. He got rejected time and time again. Capital walked away, right? And then him and Virgil went over, over, you know, the intern, and, and when it was time to try to get his thing popping, he got rejected over and over and over. And that's when he ended up going to Sway, and that whole, that whole mm-hmm. infamous moment happened. How, Sway? How? How? Yeah, you know, why don't you that. just do it? Why don't you just make your own line? Yeah. Why don't you just, you know, how? You know what I'm saying? And he's like, look, I'm, I'm in his mind, I'm all these things. I am a great person. I have all these things to offer and I keep getting rejected and this is the way into that. I don't want to just be FUBU. I don't want to be nothing against you know these, yeah. these brands because we rock with them like that. I don't want to do it that way. I want to be, he wanted to change things and him and Virgil did from a fashion perspective. And what he didn't, what, what we didn't understand, I don't feel like we meaning like the, the, the community, is what he was actually talking about. And it was something that came out in that Black Future thing. They were, they're trying, I feel, they were trying and have accomplished it, shifting culture, like in like this very real, sustainable way. Like, it, it's never going to be the same moving forward. And so it's not just enough to just go in and say, oh, you're going to do it this way or have to do it this way. There's something very specific, and there's a path that you have to take for that. And I think they've done that in a way that puts them on a trajectory that changes all of that shit. So when he talks about doing this shit for, for communities and building homes and all that, I feel like he's going to do that, whatever Whatever it is he say he want to do and how he want to move that shit is what it is. But, um, man, listen, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have to stand in, in disagreement with you, brother. I love y'all. <laughs> We've always shifted culture. This ain't nothing new. We mm-hmm. shift the culture with jazz. We shift the culture with everything that's ever happened. We've shifted the culture, and then... We didn't do it to a point to where we own it. No, 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 let me finish. We shift culture, but then we give it to other people to profit from. So that's the difference. We, we still give it to them. We that's still different. give it to Louis Vuitton. That's the difference. We still give it to Bullet. We still give it to Adidas. We still give it to all of them. We own a little more than we did, but by and large, we still give it away. If, 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 if Yeezys, right, were truly independent... There wouldn't be no Adidas attached to it. Why does Adidas have to be attached to something if we own the culture? He owns it, it outright himself. But why so is Adidas attached to it? Then? They had the infrastructure. He had the infrastructure. Bro, you can't I, go why make some shoes. Give it, huh? So this is what he's doing, though. This is what he's doing. This is what he's doing. In his con. This is what I'm saying, bro. He's, he's going to be making fucking shoes 
in South Dakota or North Dakota, wherever the fuck he is, Wyoming, yeah. he's Wyoming. He's going to build a factory there where he's going to make the shoes and own the shit from the rooter to the tutor. That's okay. going to be what he do. And he's going to be employing homeless people and motherfuckers coming out of jail. <laughs> That's going to be the shit that he's going right. to do. When that happens, then we shift the culture. Hold on. But up until now, we haven't, we've always shifted the culture. So what we, we've influenced culture. No, we shifted it. So what culture are you talking about? All cultures. There's nothing on this planet when it comes to fashion, entertainment, sports that's not shifted from black people being involved. It, it stems from us, though. But we shit whatever it is. No, no, no. Music was was there. We shifted how music is made and listened to and consumed. Bro, listen to what I'm saying. Sports was there. We shifted how sports is is played, viewed, and consumed. He's talking about buying a team. Listen to what I'm saying, bro. He's He's. I hear there you, has never been a point in time in our, in the way, I shouldn't say that. I'm talking like I'm, like I know all history. <laughs> what they have done with Who's fashion, that? Kanye, Virgil, Abloh, Jerry Lorenzo, Don C, uh, 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 what those cats have done, they have basically infiltrated high fashion, bro. And they have allowed, they have taken, they run that shit and they are using that to empower blackness in a way that has never motherfucking been done before. Explain that to me, man. It's, it's, it's reverberating. Yeah. So I'll say, for instance, I want to say it's Prada just the the um they just hired a black woman as the um i want to say it's prada um as the um the president of their board of directors right so like and and i think i'm i'm saying that to to kind of sum up your point but i understand i definitely understand what you're saying i think there are slightly two different points right from the perspective of our place in culture, right? And what quote unquote culture is, which is a great question from Brocky in terms of what culture, right? So, um, you know, from hip hop is a culture, right? Um, and we say that that influences the world. You know, when Gucci did the thing with the mask and it had the, 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 uh, the red lips on it, right? Black people were saying, we're responsible for Gucci, right? And we believe that as the culture who did this. But the reality, the numbers, Asians are the highest consumer of Gucci. Chinese, to be exact. And Louis. Right? And Louis. Right? And so while we shift portions of culture, I think it's important to note what culture are we talking about. Now, I'll go, I'll, I'll agree with your point in terms of there hasn't been. There hasn't been very many, if at all, black people guiding these fashion brands at that level, right? Like we may have had our own, we've got FUBUs, we've got Sean Johns, we've got people who've ascended in spaces at Nike, ascended at spaces at Reebok and all of these different brands. But those are global brands. That's not Louis Gucci Prada, which is not, it wasn't high fashion. It wasn't, you know, and now we are guiding those, not just for hip hop culture, but across the board. 
you know, when you look at, at um, Louis, while we look at all the things that some people wear, you know, in our culture with Louis, we don't think about their boatwear line, mm-hmm. right? Like they've got other, and this person is guiding all of that. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't been in that space. So that's why I agree with you in terms of shifting the culture. We are doing that. We, we definitely are because we're changing and we're now in spaces to be able to grab our talent yeah. that wasn't, that was, that was strictly just being able to, to sketch designs. We're now putting them in positions to be able to lay out complete collections that have nothing to do with just hip hop, but are fashion, you know, runway concepts, ready to wear lines. All of that is things that we didn't always have a, a foot in. Cause all we were doing back then, all we all we've ever done is bought, bro, from that kind of shit. Dog, I, and Sean John, all we've ever done was bought. I, I respectfully disagree. What? Because what we've culturally, black people in this country, have always driven what those what those brands do. Whether the fact that they are popular, Gucci was dying before. Well, in in popular like culture, Gucci was dying before hip hop came and started saying Gucci, right? And and we drive and shift wherever we. But I that's mean, just buying, bro. But no, no. When I say, but yes, that's. So, but the only difference now is that they hired some of us to to no, work for no, them. We're, we're, that's we're, the only difference. We're changing the design. We're, yeah. we're we're changing. The designs. But the, but the bottom line is that the only difference is they just hire us. No, we're changing. Why, why, can't, why can't we change the design with our own shit? Because nobody gives a fuck about a uh, 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 tune the fork hoodie. Not, not, <laughs> not, nobody's so, going to pay, so not, nobody's going to pay $1,500 for a tune the fork hoodie. So you're saying that the only way that we can truly influence and, and, and change culture is through these, is coming through these high fashion brands that really don't give a fuck about. Listen, bro. He has his own brand. Streetwear. Streetwear was a totally separate thing, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then you had this whole high fashion shit over right. here, right? And you had these young motherfuckers lighting it up, right? Being creative, being driven, absolutely, being inspired, and yep. all of this old other shit. Making dope shit. Making dope shit. So much so to a point. To where they actually are now taking the street where they have taken that and brought that over to the high. They've so you think that hasn't happened before? It's never happened before, bro. So you telling me that the things that black people were wearing before it was called streetwear were not then that Gucci and all those guys weren't influenced and they added that to their we collection. Made it streetwear. We made it streetwear. But before streetwear, no, that shit came to like Polo. It came. It came to Tommy and them. It came to like those, before like those that. Models. Before that, before before when we were doing um, in the eighties and seventies when we were doing like all the fly shit that we was wearing and doing that they didn't they weren't paying attention and then they influenced who all these high flashing brands that we keep. But nobody Gucci Louis Vuitton like uh, so this is what I'm saying, bro. It's a it's um I, I I don't one of the things I feel like Kanye was talking about in it is that. When you're talking about getting access to fabrics, bro, when you're talking about getting access to these, to the, to the fucking sheeps and the shit that they get the shit from, like these aren't limitless supplies of things. They're very small amounts of stuff. 
and they can that you, you get out. access to. True. Yep. That they generally only reserve for certain groups. And so when you've got us like just going and getting some gingham or what uh, uh, uh gingham or whatever, I can't remember the name of the place. Huh? You were right, go ahead. Yeah. So like that's what we pretty much had access to for the most part. Like we they they've set it up now to where they're opening up and allowing these people to play with palettes and colors and fabrics. This, and this is a necessary step to get to where you're talking about. Okay, I can accept that. I'll, let, let me give a real world that. example to that. My daughters, both of them mm -hmm. went to FIT um, and Parsons for camp. We took them every year. My cousin has a friend who was the lead designer for women's wear for Ralph Lauren, right? I'm a polo junkie. Right, I'll figure out a way to get a polo shirt in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> we were granted access one day to the behind the wall, right? So we go to the, not the polo store on Madison Ave, we go to the polo office on Madison Ave, where you got the security guard, has to take you upstairs, name all that other stuff. We go in, we're in the, we're in the, in the space. The lady shows us her designs, right? for the upcoming collection. She then, um, across the hall, is the, is the person who's responsible. So this room, they draw it. They take this piece of paper, they take it across the street, across the hall. That person across the hall is responsible for sourcing each one of those articles in that drawing, right? They then contact a person who lives in China that works for, um, Ralph Lauren, that person is now responsible for sourcing the materials all the way down to the thread and the yarn. Mm -hmm. They then find those materials in different places and then they're responsible for putting all of that together, doing the mock, like there are all of these, there are all of these steps to get a shirt from this person's brain from just Ralph Lauren to a, a regular polo shirt that they make that they got in the fucking outlets. To, to from her brain to the store, and a year and a half later, we saw her designs on the store, and and it was wild for us to see it because now we knew what happened. Mm -hmm. We knew it's going to take a year and a half from to date. You can't just do that. You got to break into that. You can't just do that because Ralph Lauren then wants a specific feel of the jean, right? We were just joking the other day about. Uh, Brocky and, and, and like we said with Whiskey and Kicks, how we just bring our regular conversations to camera, mm -hmm. right? Um, about how he used to always find these jeans from places that nobody was hip to yet. <laughs> but they would be like this material. Like you just don't walk down Canal Street yeah. and get that jean. Yeah. Somebody somewhere, you know what I mean, had to go in depth to find, cultivate, and all of that, this thing. And that's what Kanye is talking about in terms of the infrastructure. So his response to Sway when it was, why don't you just do it yourself? It ain't that easy. Right. It ain't that easy to give you the quality material, right? To give you something that you want to be proud of yourself, aside from just being a part of that it's attached to Yeezy. Because we know the hype beast thing is real. Right. right? And hella I mean, real. It's hella real. But... For some individuals, the quality that comes along with Yeezy, I don't know a person who's broken out of their Yeezy sneakers yet, yeah. <laughs> right? Whose foot flew out yet. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, That's not BS materials. Right. And, and Yeezy doesn't wake up on a Tuesday morning as a billionaire and source that material right. without the help of Adidas to teach him who, and for him to learn from. Not so much teach, but him to learn. Without the help from Adidas, who actually is sourcing out uh, Boost? Adidas doesn't own Boost. You have to work with yeah. others. You have, you have to do it. They don't own the, their biggest technology, the comfort. The reason why I buy Adidas and, and Yeezys, Boost, Boost, Adidas doesn't own it. They source that shit out, huh? So, but I, I get what I definitely get what you're saying, and 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 what I will say, um, a mixture of both points is there's a point though where you have to stand confident. If the tune the fort decides to sell a fifteen hundred dollar hoodie, then they've got to sell that. Yeah, and they and tune the fort has to stand behind it. We talking and about whether that. only four people buy it, who gives a shit? Yeah. Four people bought it. And and it's always going to be fifteen hundred, right. Yep. right? I've heard of I, I I had a friend who had um not a friend an acquaintance who had a clothing line, and what he was talking about was never putting his stuff on sale, no matter what happens, never having a Christmas twenty percent off, none of that. My price is always going to be yeah. my price, right. and whether you own it today or whether I do this and bring it back out, it's always going to be that price, right? Yeah, I, and. I, I think we've, like, the music industry is a space where we've, like, the same kind of thing happened. Started out where we were completely boxed out. We were only creating, you know, creating the art. And then everybody from the engineers to the producers to everybody to the executive, everybody involved was, was, was white or not us, right? And then we slowly started to be... Producers, we started to be the uh, Quincy Joneses and the Ray Charles and all of that, right? And then we slowly started to be engineers. Mm-hmm. We slowly started to be executive until it was a point where you're talking about where we are now deciding what hits the public, right? And then we started slowly started to be able to create from beginning to end our own uh, music, right? From from actual recording it through uh, production and everything in between and put it out, we started to create our own machines that do all of that. Mm-hmm. It might be a little different than, you know, whatever, but we started to, and then the quality started to improve. So if you guys are saying that it's a means to an end, that the end result is, is us being completely independent of working for or feeling like that we got to work for Gucci or we got to, in order for us to be validated, we got to work for Prada or Gucci or whatever, that we can do our own, then I'm all with that. I won't say it's to be validated. No. I won't say that part. While I get what you're saying, because even in your example of music, you can do all of these things, you can have an independent label, but at some point... We still don't own distribution. We still don't own distribution. We don't. We We could. Whether we do it, we tried, but we've been... That's one of of those things where we've been locked out. Right. We just had. And because that, because you will... Not to say we'll never get there. Right. But it's going to be... It'll be... It'll be... our kids' kids may never see it. Well, I heard Clarence Carter or whatever the dude's name is tried to do something with it. Like yeah. they, like there's certain, and that's what I feel like when Kanye started talking about getting these factories and how he want his Yeezys made in the United States. Adidas came to him was like nah nah nah. And he said something along the lines of, 
Motherfucker, my contract, it, it don't say nothing about what I can't do and this and that. I'm bringing that shit back to the United States. I want to have all Yeezys made in the United States of America. I want that shit sourced sustainably or whatever the case may be. He's setting that up, I right. feel, from a long-term perspective to build this shit around in the country to where it's all coming from here, all having American-based workers, black, I don't know what the numbers are, whatever the case may be, but that that's what I feel... He's trying to get into the manufacturing portion of it from a large scale thing that, and this is shit that we as black people have just never been able to do for whatever, you know, cause On we large just, scales. we haven't had, yeah. Right. Um, had access to. And I, I won't just own it as black people. I'll own it as consumers. Yeah. Right. Like across the board. Um, there are, I mean, at the re the reality is there are only a few actual record companies. That's right. Everything I, else I is just a, a subsidiary, funnel, a subsidiary yeah. of that. Yeah. There's only like three of them at the top, yeah. mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And and so while we think Universal is the greatest <laughs> thing, Sony Music is the greatest thing, it's still not the actual top. Yep. Yeah. Right. And the actual top the is where the distribution the Viacom, is yeah. where the distribution lies. And 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 but but I think what's commendable for Yeezy is the fact that he is he's being vocal about listen I'm coming over here to get all the information I can from you and then I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna do with it as best as I can to empower myself and those around me and however we do that. And one of the things he said in that video, he said, "Money only gets you so far." He was like. I need people with ideas. I need people who are willing to think outside the box. I need, I need people who are willing to come in here and yell from the heart about how they feel about shit, man. Because we gotta, we gotta stop worrying about hurting people's feelings, man. Do you either want to? I think somebody said something about uh, what Will Smith said or something like that in one of his books. He said, "You wanna," he said, "Do you wanna?" Um, you want to yeah. not hurt my feelings or do you want to win or something right. like that? And be like, nice. It was like yeah, you want to nice. be nice or you want to win? Like, but, but is there a way? So then that brings us back to some of the earlier questions. Um, is there a way to be those things, and pun intended, and be kind? Right? Because while a person says that they want you to be unbridled with your ideas and... Um, speak from your heart. Is everyone prepared, even the person who says they want you to do it, mm -hmm. are they prepared to receive it when you give that, right? And so then now, what type of working relationship, what type of functioning relationship do we have when, um, when societal norms of communication can be thrown to the wayside? So norms, I don't feel, are normal. Okay, let's look at it. I feel like they're bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it's like when I meet a chick. I don't give a fuck if we get, I don't, get, I don't care about how well we get along. What I care about is how we disagree. How do we push through? What, how do you respond to your triggers? How do you manage your triggers? What's your connections to your pain? How aware are you of your bullshit? How does that shit show up? And then how do I respond to all of that in kind? And so the idea that we're never going to argue, the idea that we're never going to be like the societal norms of communication 
are to me are just are just people posturing and just keeping the the reality of it outside. And I think what he's saying to a degree, because like you never know until you actually get to that point. And but but somebody's got to be the person that actually says that has to at least try. Resistance is helpful because it, it it's almost like getting tested. And I don't know how people do that without being honest. Because like I can't I can't get caught up in the words of how I'm gonna tell you that shit is whack. It if I'm really just trying to say that shit is whack. But honesty and kindness are two different things. Like I can I can tell you um, I can tell you I don't like Reebok classics, right? Mm-hmm. And you can accept that. And then I can say, them shit's just trash. Our conversation's going to be different after that. So what's your intention? So to me, kindness... It doesn't. Is, it's just the way I talk. But so so, so I, have to, I have to be just as responsible for my interpretation as you are for what you're saying. So, so, so societal norms... Right. Societal norms are your baseline by which people can at least have conversation until they get to know each other. Because if I said them shits is trash and we know each other enough to know we've been we've had enough conversation for you to know that I'm not coming from a um, malicious intent, then you accept that differently. Our conversation is different. If I walk up to you and say, you know, I'm not a big fan of a Reebok classic. Those are the same words. It's the same sentiment. How I delivered it is different. And so I think sometimes we got to be careful in those other universes when a person is telling us, you know, I want your unbridled um, viewpoint on things and I want you to be able to say it and just say it, right? How does, you, you have to factor in so many things yeah. with that. Does that end up actually giving a productive situation because the person may not um, receive it. They so, may not digest it the way it was intended. So if you said, I don't like Reebok classics, you saying them shits is trash. If we getting ready to go out and make a shoe and that motherfucker just so happens to look like a Reebok classic. Right. I need to know as soon as possible if you think these motherfuckers is trash. So I need to know how you feel about that. And so if you're saying to me what communi- what would communicate a more your, your your a more accurate representation of your feeling, it wouldn't just be like, oh, I don't like Reebok classic. I'd be like, oh, okay, well maybe I could just move it around. But if you said, nah, them shits is trash, I'd be like, <laughs> I might be like, okay, let me just go ahead and just redo that completely. Cause I think. But does that work in a group dynamic? If there are four people here, right, and we're bringing ideas to a table, and someone says, you know what, I don't really like Reebok Classics, I'll move this around, I'll move that around, because it was Brocky's idea, Yeah. right? And we're working collectively to come up with an idea. If one person comes to the table and says, them shits is trash, that there's no room for that. There isn't. Even though I said I didn't, I'm not a fan of it or I don't like them, that feels like there's room for us to work here. I think them shits is trash doesn't feel like that. There is, there is a balance. 
there, there is a balance and there's a there you have to build up to certain types of communication. You do. You definitely right. have to build up to it. But but I don't feel that the truth should ever be the. Um, should ever be jeopardized at the expense for for um, people's feelings. People's feelings. I agree with that. How you deliver it is all I'm saying. It's all about tact. Tact. Right. That's the that's the perfect and, word. And yeah, it is. Like you know, the, like y'all scenario is in a a, a a perfect scenario, but we don't know. Like you say, yo, you know, those are trash. When you usually will be like, well, let me dig into why he feels this way. Who knows what your day might have been like, or what the moment right before you said that. What information you might have just got on the telephone? So we do shitty jobs at managing our feelings, though, too. I think, and and, and that and that's one of the things that I feel like, at some point in time, as the individual, we got to take responsibility because even if the motherfucker's telling me to be unbridled, if I ain't, if I am, and you get in your feelings about some shit, then that's a whole different kind of conversation. Because I'm not being kind to me is a part of intention because I can be. I can have the best intention in the world and your interpretation of it be off mm -hmm. and you don't think I'm being kind when really I'm just being authentic or I'm just being transparent, whatever the word is. And, and, and it's all getting lost because of what your interpretation is of what I'm saying is. I, I, I was, I'm retired from the Air Force, right? So I had a young lady that used to work for me and... Um, she was one of those individuals where there was always, she, she would always say, um, they just have to get to know me first. And I used to remind her that in the Air Force, it's fluent. People, you know, move in and out of your office all the time, mm -hmm. right? It's highly transient. A person's here for a year or two years, they move to a new base or a new office, another person comes in. The concept of them having to get to know me is while a valid concept it doesn't mean that you have to disregard a baseline of how you should interact with yeah. individuals mm -hmm. yeah and that's yeah. all i was simply saying yeah i think what happens is a lot of times when people hear um what kanye says in those moments mm -hmm. i go back to what brocky said earlier about living in a different universe at certain points yeah. That don't work for your universe, Playboy. Yeah. Right? Like you gotta be when you show your ass up to work tomorrow, if you feel some type of way about something, I need you to express that. Yeah. Not a single not there are bosses, but an effective manager of any situation would never an effective leader, I don't care what it is, would never want a person to hold back how they how they feel about something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but they would expect a certain level of personal tact. Until we get to the point yeah. that we can express things in a way that outsiders may not understand. But it's up to the outsider, and again, back to group dynamics, forming norming storming stages, all that other stuff. It's up to the outsider to then bring themselves into the group dynamic. Yeah. But I think societal norms exist for a reason, especially in the very beginning. Yeah, and there's a level of, to me, it goes back to being self-aware, like... Uh, Knowing who you're communicating, what's the best, most effective way to communicate with the person that you're communicating in the moment? Yeah. If it's if it's a relationship that is, you know, that is a work relationship, you know how you have to communicate. You can still express yourself. Nobody's saying that you have to, you know, lessen yourself to to be able to effectively communicate. 
And sometimes you're going to offend them if you have to effectively communicate in that way. But knowing that and being self-aware enough to say, okay, I need to communicate this thing to this person in the best way that I can. And knowing that there's a relationship that is, you know, we're in a business together making tennis shoes, making, you know, shoes, and we got a shoe that look like a Reebok Classic. And knowing I can say, you know what, them shits is trash, right? And knowing that that is effectively communicating my urgency to you to say that I don't, you know, I don't think that those are the best choices. But you, we have a relationship where we can do that. So that's to me is being self-aware. Um, does Kanye, a lot of people who are on that, in that universe, don't have that level of self-awareness because they feel like that, you know, that they're in a position that they can say whatever they want to, however they want to, and they're talking at people and people will get it and then they call it whatever they call it. But to me, man, being self-aware is always being in a space where you communicate with people in a kind way, in in the in in a way that 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 you're giving an exchange and you're hearing as well as speaking. Have, not not necessarily when you have an album coming out. Let's this not let's that's not a forget, whole different let's thing. not forget, forget the rollout. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not forget the rollout. A lot of what you know my point with this, mm-hmm. right? A lot of what that dude does yes. is rollout. Yep. All right. So all he stays in the headline. He knows, and I think what taught him that was a George Bush moment. Yeah. I think that taught him that. You know yeah. what I mean? He's, yeah. He went up there and said that. He said what everyone was feeling, too. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. We all felt the same way. We didn't mm-hmm. disagree with him. He was a hero then. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, and um, that that taught him, wow, you know, that taught a lot, a lot of us. Look mm-hmm. look at the effect of that. Yeah. People talked about that. We still talk about it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So that dude knows how to work that system, and it's a, it's a nasty system. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. no matter how negative you are, no matter if you're talking about uh, Pete Davidson every day and Kim and all this other stuff, whatever, Donda 2 is on the way and there's a $200 stem player. Yeah. Come on, B. It's a yeah. rollout, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's the perfect marriage between... <laughs> perfect marriage. Between genius and marketing genius. But is that authentic, <laughs> though? In that universe, it is. It is works. It, is, and it works in ours, too. Somebody out here wouldn't bought that two hundred dollars stem oh. player and 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 out, and out there messing up songs. Out there messing up I just want to note real quick too, man. As a sneaker lover, I, li- I like your Reebok Classics, man. Yeah, I don't got no yeah. problem with your Reebok Classics, bro. The gum, the gum sole on those puppies. Gum sole. I'm a sucker for gum, yo. I love gum sole. My bad. I had to say that. Thank you. I'm gonna go side note that you know DC started. Here we go. Here we go. Get control of this conversation. For the Google machine, I just want to. DC was the first to to uh, wear Reebok Classic. As we continue. <laughs> Are you? Can you place? Slavery was a choice. In that category of just. Wrong language. Got some whiskey there. <laughs> there will Word. never. There will to Joe, to Joe, there will never be an acceptable context for slavery was a choice. <laughs> Period. I don't give a fuck who says it. Okay. There will never ever be an acceptable context for slavery in the first half of a sentence 
and was a choice in the second half of that sentence, giving the definition of slavery. I, you know what? I wish, man, that he could. And I listen to him sometimes, and I hear the gems that he's trying to say, and I wish that he could further explain and break down or has the space to break down what he's saying. Because I think that he was saying uh, in slavery was a choice, or I received that to mean something different than, than just the statement slavery was a choice. I agree. I think there were a lot of things behind it that he couldn't connect the dots I agree. to. Yep. So he couldn't express. Yep. But, you know, um, yeah, but slavery was a choice was, you know, and that's why I was asking right. if, 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 and this isn't to even, no, slavery was a choice. If there's a context that he's saying in terms of as, um, as an individual who has the means to, to get out of something, right? Not actual, you know, chattel slavery that black people associate slavery with. Right. If you have the means to get out of it and you continue to stay in it, which I assume is what he's saying, um, um, based on the context of the conversation they were yes, having when he said, "Absolutely, it. okay," which was, I, which was something along the lines, and I don't remember, like about how people choose to stay in situations that don't necessarily serve them because they have a narrow view or or or, or whatever it right. is, a perspective that has been laid out for them that this is what it should be and this is what it is and you continue going down it without doing something different. So that's still not that's still not slavery being a choice. So <laughs> it, it and that's what he meant when he said he, the, he did a terrible job of articulating his point. Absolutely. That, yeah. So he did a, he did a horrible job of articulating his point. But that, but he said it. He hasn't pulled back from it. Paul. He did. He did. To a, to a degree, he, he he attempted to he attempted to better articulate that point, right? What I think, and I'm I am now being kind. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here laughing inside because I know I know it's boiling inside right now. Well, and I'm and I'm saying that from the perspective of back to parallel worlds, universes, right? Him. And, and, and I get it because depending on who you talk to, especially people of a specific mindset, um, believe that people are um, responsible for their own futures, right? They can take control of certain things to better their situations. I completely agree with all of those things, and I would never akin those to slavery. So well, when he said, I want to get something out. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. When he said that you're boiling, did, are you based on, or, or did that... That statement that he made, did it really bother you? When he did, when he made it? Yeah. When Kai, oh, absolutely it did. Okay. And, I, and I'll tell you why personally. Because I, in my, in my role as a vice president of, a, of an NAACP, have to sit down with actual lawmakers, who, who individuals who, who create um, policies that affect the way things are done, right? And I understand that... Um, that when you have these conversations with individuals who, who believe that everything is equal, right? And that you are responsible for pulling yourself up by your proverbial bootstrap and, and then 
passing laws or making policies, both in the workplace and in terms of how we just move around in society, that are that directly affect one person over another based on something different, then you can't tell me that any of things, any of the things that happened to me is just a choice. I was in Miami two days, uh, I came back Friday. On my way to the airport, there is a black, what was it called? Uh, the, the black, ah, uh, the, the black something commission in Miami who is having conversations with lawmakers on the way that spring break in South Beach is being policed between blacks and whites mm. and how <laughs> it's completely different. How blacks have a lot more of a police presence, mm -hmm. right, than whites do. Um, and then the blacks are usually more agitated by the presence, right. right? They're the same rowdy crowd. However, when it comes to the, the bottom line dollar-wise, there's one, no difference in, in who brings in the most money. And two, the other side ends up losing because one aspect whites in this situation usually tend to destroy more right mm. and so when you have statistical things like that and a person tells me that you are capable of pulling yourself up by your bootstrap or you're capable of doing it yourself because the situation you're in is by choice i usually tend to have a problem with that so there are choices that a person makes I want that to be said, right? We make a choice. Case in point, South Beach. There are no white people getting shot at parties in South Beach, right? Okay. They may destroy more, but they ain't getting shot. When black people come to South Beach, just so happens somebody ends up getting shot. That's a choice. There's a choice in there. I'm not, I'm not taking away that none of it has any choices. But well, what if, what if, and, you know, we have this conversation all the time. <laughs> What if, and this is what, that's a different conversation. What if they didn't have as much police presence? And, and I was about to say niggas, but I'm going a, I'm to a pull back. <laughs> black people getting shot every year. Like multiple black people getting shot. We would be saying, we're the police. Hey, look, 90s, 90s crack era. Exactly. 90s crack era. Kids about, were getting killed out in the street. That. People who don't remember that. They was driving by killing kids. It was mm -hmm. multiple people getting killed in every major city because of crack every single day. So they put stricter uh, laws and jail times and all these things to try to, bill. try to fix it, right? Because that's what we were asking for. We <laughs> had people marching, begging, please, Mr. Government, white man, please help us poor lock us violent up. Negroes. Right, lock us up for longer. But when they did that, now we look back on it and say, oh, my God, this is, they were terrible. So what is the, where is the accountability and the responsibility? Is it on the right level of policing or Set is up. it on us? Stop I've got, tripping. I've got a simple answer for that. If Black Spring Break is on this week and you've enlisted 20,000 officers to work here, then when White Spring Break comes next week, I want those same 20,000 officers. When Blacks, when Black Beach Week or Mo Bike Week happens in South Carolina and you deploy a thousand officers, I want the same thousand, right? I don't want to see statistical differences in the way things are happening when the outcomes, right, in terms of destruction, 
in terms of um, people, in terms of movement, in terms of traffic, in terms of all of those quantifying things exist. I completely agree with you. Brocky and I have this conversation all the time because I can point out a number of lawmakers today who are still in office, who were in office during when Joe Biden wanted them to have stiffer drug laws. And we're championing it for our own parents. Right. We're saying, listen, they're selling crack in front of my door right now. Right. People are being shot in the street and laid there right now. Right. The mindset of punishing them harder with harsher sentences right. makes sense. The issue I have is not that they did that. It's that, that they didn't do it on the other side. Right. So when something happened over there, there were far less charges. There were far less sentencing. There was far less of those things that happen for other crimes, right? Or equal crimes. If a black person's caught with crack and a white person's caught with crack, why is he going to jail for 20, for 20 years and he's going to jail for two? It's crack. Yeah. It's crack, right? Mm -hmm. So put them both in jail for 20 years. So Then we ain't got nothing to talk about. Here's the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world <laughs> where Joe is the VP, the NAACP of his chapter, and he's going and talking to people about what he's talking about. And I want to live in a world where a motherfucker can get on TV and tell niggas to get their shit together and quit motherfucking playing games and quit, quit bullshitting around. You, you, you responsible for your own future. You got to get your shit together. Ain't nobody going to come and give you nothing. You, they not coming. And so how that person says that, how that person says that, is going to be the way that they say it, and it's going to land on the people that it's going to land on, and hopefully it motivates them to help them do it. But I want to live in a world where both of those things can exist because I think the ultimate end game is for people to empower, to be empowered. And there are going to be multiple avenues that we, that we take in order to accomplish that objective. It's not going to always, and that it's not going to always sound the same, look the same, feel the same, and we should be criticizing each other all the motherfucking way down the pipe, right? Because there are some people who are sitting around waiting on the Joes to do their piece, and there are some people on the Joes waiting for the other side to do their piece, and everybody got to do their part, whatever that piece looks like. And I think what Kanye, go ahead. I was going to say, that world actually exists. That, 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 that world is clear and present today. We, we can see, especially after quarantine, how many individuals are taking control of their careers, taking control of their financial success throughout, you know, um, taking control of entrepreneurship, all of those things, understanding how they are proverbial Kanye's, where they go to work a government job on a daily basis, um, but then also in the evenings are spending seven hours on real estate or stocks or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a, the world that Joe lives in is that exact world. I can have a conversation with a county commissioner or state delegate or literally the senator, a state senator from Maryland today. And then on Thursday, go stand in front of a bunch of young people and say, you're responsible for the dumb shit that happens to you because you're doing dumb shit. Yeah. Right? We also, but we also are still out here, man. Uh, I'm going to say this. We're still out here 
marching up and down the street <clears throat> asking for somebody to fix our problems. We're still, every time that there's an issue or something happens, man, we follow the same pattern of, you know, going walking down the street for a day or two and then going right back to the fuckery that we were participating in before. And there's, and to me, there's always a, cho- I think that's what I gather from what Kanye was saying. There's always a choice. There's always a way to not necessarily better your situation, but at least change it. Even if that end result is you being chopped into a thousand pieces. You know what I'm saying? If if he's saying slavery was a choice, and if I think of the extreme version of that, it's saying if we all sitting around a plantation and we like, fuck this shit, and we went in there and tried and tried to say, look, plantation owner, either you let us go, we're gonna kill everybody in this motherfucker. Right? And if they say fuck you, we're gonna kill that's the that's the choice. That's the made. choice, right? That's the choice you made. Either I'm gonna be a slave or I'm gonna be dead. That's the choice. But we chose to because we had children to keep this thing and 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 it kept happening as terrible as it was, right? But you know, ultimately we always have choices. And I think that's what he was trying to say. I, I think he was talking about the record industry. True. So he as he admitted, the things in his head don't always come mm-hmm. out the way they're in his head. Sometimes they do come out the little weird they're in his head because he'd be all over the place. Right. Yeah. But I think he was talking about the record industry. And I think it's what he was saying then is manifesting itself now with what he's doing by taking all his the down or two off of streaming or not even putting it on streaming right. and doing the whole stem player thing you buy for two hundred dollars it's the only way you can get my music. He's because streaming, you ain't getting paid from streaming. Right. So I don't think he was actually talking about slavery, but we all, a lot of people took it that way and whatnot. Yeah. Um. You know what I'm saying? And and I don't know what his explanations were down the line and whatnot. Um. But um. That's how. That's kind of how I took it, man. He's talking about music. So let me let me let me let me say something real quick. Cause and and I mean I know we've stayed on this topic a little too long, and that's not really what we want to do. But um. When, when we talk about, um, you know, and I and I and I get your kindness <laughs> in terms of delivering the marching portion, I I need people to understand that when it comes to things of that nature, that marching is always the last option, right? It has always been the last option. It has always been a marketing tool to um, bring awareness past what people see in terms of galvanizing uh, uh, like-minded voices to show strength. The reality to anything that happens in America, especially systematically, there are people who have these conversations with those very individuals every day. Mm-hmm. Every day, right? I've talked to school superintendents not because a kid just got suspended, but because if you're the new superintendent in Charles County, it is mandatory. If you don't do it, we're gonna do it. You're gonna have a conversation with the NAACP, so you know our concerns and what we're gonna be watching you over when it's time to to educate black and brown children in a system that refuses to show equality, right? 
when you are the police chief, you know Joe Sampson. You're, you're, my number's in your phone because we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to tell you that these things that you're, that you're doing as a, as a police chief or as a county commissioner or as a school superintendent, I don't like or it doesn't benefit everyone equally. Then when something blows up, right? I'll use George Floyd as, a, as, a, as an example. The world came to a standstill. I loved it, right? But I was also very aggravated by it. Rocky will tell you, we've had so many conversations where people felt energized by it, right? And now everybody wants to do diversity. All these companies are hiring for diversity. All of those things. Everybody's starting a new organization in their neighborhood, right? Everyone's saying, well, where's the NAACP? Or where's, you know, this organization? Or where's that organization? And then when they get there, they realize, oh, snap. We've been doing it. We've been doing it. I'm on a, I'm on a quarterly calendar meeting, fighting for the same thing that you thought no one was doing, right? And then when you show up and you find out we're there, I get upset because you don't say, oh, yeah, they, they actually have been there. You continue that narrative to your point about changing the narrative. You continue the narrative that these organizations aren't doing anything, but you found out in the last two years <laughs> that they have been, and you still aren't saying anything about it. So you're leaving the narrative out there that all oh, marching is just what it is, but it isn't. Yeah. It's the, that's the end result of all of the hard work, grassroots organizations. There are people in Southeast right now, grassroots organizations, who go to the mayor's office once a month to get more money for Baloo High School. And, you know, to your point, I was watching uh, whatever it is. They were talking about the, uh, the guy who shot the four kids. There's a Netflix documentary about the four kids and the, um, the vigilante in New York. Back, yeah, in yeah, yeah. back in the day on the train. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bernard, Bernard, Bernard Getz. Bernard Getz. They, they got yeah. a Netflix documentary and what's his name? Sharpton. Sharpton was on there. Mm -hmm. And he basically, I hadn't thought about it the way he just meant the way he just mentioned it, the way he did. He said, it's basically marketing. Because it, it's 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 an opportunity for them. That's what they basically use this stuff for to amplify shit that they've already yeah. been doing that hasn't been getting the media attention in the way that this is. So they basically use that as kind of like the Trojan horse to bring out all of the other shit. And, and, and in that instance, I get it. It makes, because I never thought about it the way that, the way that he did in the show, and, and you just mentioned it in that way. The problem is, is the majority of individuals who have no desire to do anything past that only hang on to that part, the marching part. They go right back home. And then they go right back home. Yeah. And, I, and I'm okay with that. The reason I'm okay with that is there's always going to be 10% of people doing 90% of the work in everything you do. Yeah. That's at your regular job. Yeah. That's at, you know <laughs> what I mean? That's at, in your house. That's, there's, anywhere there's a group of people, that's any group project you had to do for school, there's always going to be a small amount of people doing the majority of the work. And those individuals especially when it comes to social activism or community advocacy, we already know that going in. Yeah. So we scheduled a march. We want all of y'all to show up. That way when we come back next week and it's just us again, we could say, you saw what we just did, right? Yeah. We can get yeah. them people back out here yeah. again 
And when they show up, they rowdy, they don't, you know, they don't care nothing about it. They, they're ready to act a fool. Yeah. Do you want that? Or do you want to do, you know, it's like Malcolm X when he came down to Alabama when they locked up Martin Luther King. He said to them, you got one or two options. You can continue to deal with him. Right? <laughs> right. Or you can deal with me. Now, which one you prefer? Just go ahead and let him out so you can deal with him in his kind way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. Or you can deal with me. Yeah, in our way. By any means necessary. Now you choose. Those are good points. And I like the fact that, so in sales, we use an 80-20 rule, but the concept is the same. And I think both percentages need to be spoken to because some of the people in the 80 used to be in the 20 and some of the people in the 20 used to be in the 80. And so the, 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 the messaging is going to be different for both of the groups, I feel. But I think it's, it's all necessary. And so as we're we all in our 40s, you've been divorced, right? You were married yes, and divorced? Sir. Yeah. Let's divorce. I'm married. Still married. Mm-hmm. I still, you're married. My bad. <laughs> still married for now. My bad. <laughs> if you his wife and you watching this, I didn't, I didn't mean nothing by that. The brother sounds, looks, his vibe is happy. Everything's right. Um, I feel like I'm at a point in my life on that awakening shit where I ain't never been this happy. And I don't know if it's like a combination of just getting more comfortable with who I am and getting aligned with that purpose shit, accepting all of the bullshit, realizing that all of it, like just seeing life in a very different way than I used to. And even just in hearing you talk about, you know, the work that you're doing and what we're all doing in a bunch of different ways. I feel like all of this shit just led up to us just getting more open and awakening to like what life is really about and shit and just, and even in the Kanye documentary, everything I'm hearing him say, aside from shit being about him, because it's about him too, is all of this shit is in service of a larger thing, a bigger purpose. And um, I thought it'd be good to just kind of like just close on what our thoughts are on just community, legacy, um, and just, you know, um, what we saw from him and what he's doing in these last, you know, in the last piece of the documentary and, like, how we're, how we see that showing up, like, in our lives and what we're doing and shit. Well, I don't know. I guess from watching this, man, um, seeing all the things he, he went through, the different phases of his life, um, and just think about how that reflected back on myself and, and the stuff that I've been through and what I'm trying to accomplish is, uh, you know, just being in touch with who you are, man. That's, it's such a, an important thing, um, for me and, and the, um, the honesty part of it, you know, he, you know, we, we, we talked about how hard he goes and stuff like that, but, you know, I made a choice some years back to just, um, to be myself at all times. So whether I'm talking to you on the street or if I'm in a job interview, I'm pretty much the same person. So people ask me how, how the interview goes, how, how did it go? It went well, <laughs> you know, because 
you know, I was me. And he is him at all times, and and that's that's what I try to I try to live my life that way. Um, so I don't have to worry about the lies. I don't have to worry about remembering stuff because I forget more and more shit as the, the older I get. Right. So I don't have to remember what I said. I know what I said because I know how I felt. I know how I feel and I know what I did and, and so on and so on. Or what I, what I said I was going to do. That's important to me, man. And just seeing that in him to that degree, um, navigating those different industries, those different situations, um, it was, it was uh, inspiring. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I rock with Kanye, um, and you know, I of course he's a bunch of stuff that he does. He's done that I disagree with, and that's cool because that's every human being in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, man, that's that's the that's the biggest thing for me is just staying true to who I am, trying to affect my universe. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to change the world. Right. I'm here to affect to do, to do mm-hmm. my part. Yeah. Right. And, and and affect my universe, my son, the people that I love, the people that are close to me, and that I can touch, man. I'm going to try to influence them on this level. I'm going to show love all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, because yeah. it costs me nothing to do that. Yep. Uh, so I'm always trying to trying to lift people up. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, that, yeah, that's kind of, you know, just made me reflect on those things. Those are principles that I already had. I didn't pick that up from the documentary, but seeing that kind of let me know, you know, yeah. How did you, how did y'all feel about the mental health stuff? I thought it was the other side of the coin of being the genius. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I just thought, you know, when when you've got, Sometimes, you know, some of the most talented and most, um, some of those individuals are a lot of times um, a little different than society. Um, and and it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like creatives don't sleep, mm-hmm. you know? Cause like they can't turn their brain off. You know, they can't stop creating. And so when it's time to go to sleep, they can't sleep because, or they can't sleep for long periods of time, or creatives can't sit for a certain amount of time with just one thing, right? It may seem like they bounce around. So I just, I, I, I just attributed that along with, you know, losing his mother. I think that had a profound effect on, on him because he lost his ground wire. And while a lot of that stuff may have been moving around in his brain, he could always plug that back in and it worked, it grounded him. But when that ground wire is gone, there's nothing there to, to really, to, to ground it, so. Have, have any of y'all ever struggled with any like mental illness though? I did, yeah. I do, yep. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the anxiety, yep. anxiety crept up in my life a couple years back, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, insomnia, as you know, you know what I'm saying? You put mm-hmm. me onto a couple books and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, for sure, man. It was it was a sobering situation. Like I never had any type of issues like that that I knew of, and to be in a space where um, I suffered from anxiety and losing sleep, like all it took was for my mind to just do one thing, and then I'm up all night, like going days without sleeping and stuff like that, because somebody could have said something positive to me, and my interpretation of what they said. I just my brain just went and we're like, well, what have they said that? Because 
It was actually this. And then I would focus in on that negative thing and just go berserk. And to be completely honest, the thing, and you asked me recently about my sleep, maybe about a month ago, the thing that helped me through the anxiety thing is what Kanye clearly needs because he gravitated towards his dad after his mom was gone. Love, D. The love. So when, you know, it's mushy and shit, but me and my lady, you know, y'all know how I am with my lady. That, all of a sudden, sleeping like a fucking baby. Yeah. Like a fucking newborn baby, God. Did you realize you were missing it before you, before you, before you had it? Yes, because my life, I always, um, one thing that's important to me is to be surrounded by love at all times. So I can't be around um, negative shit. I can't be around hate. Um, anything like that. I will literally physically separate myself from a situation if it's like that. Mm-hmm. And that's a, um, that's, I don't know where I got that trait from, man. Maybe because my dad was really violent in the streets and shit, and I didn't want to be that way. You know what I mean? So I just separate myself from that type of energy at all times. So love is something that I always have to have around me, man. And when, <laughs> some of you said earlier, like, you know, I was single for a long time. Right. So I was in these streets for a long time. Right. <laughs> and I had to manifest. It was like I was I would always say, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm out here. I'm chilling. But, you know, I really want more. I will say these things. I want more or whatever. You know, I, I want that real shit. And it only was when I said, you know what, man, I need to move from Waldorf. I need to move into D.C. so I can be around people so I can walk to the store to get something to eat and maybe meet a person yeah. and, 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 and be around and, and maybe, maybe I'll meet somebody. And shortly after that, man, I met, I met Shorty. And that's it. All those years I was talking that talk, but I wasn't doing anything to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that I really attribute it to that. So when I changed my mentality, the universe, you know what I'm saying, brought that shit to me. And and that that that's what I needed, son. Because the anxiety was fucking killing me, B. Yeah. It was crazy. And I'm not saying it's gone. Like I have nights, you know what I'm saying. But that was my first bout with, with uh, the mental illness shit, son. It was crazy. Yeah, I always see that man, the that mental part, the mental illness part, uh, in Kanye, and how it, like, and like you, man, I have like my brain just. Once it starts spiraling, she's just spiraling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his mom being, as you said, that tether that you can always sort of connect to, you can always reach back to. So when I lost my mom and not having that, that shit just, I mean, you're like a fucking balloon that just goes and you just go wherever the breeze takes you. And then eventually, man, for me, you know, through work and reading and praying, trying and moving around and like trying to understand and going through a lot of bullshit. You kind of, I saw, uh, I don't know if you guys were, I don't know if you, uh, uh, Finding Nemo, yeah. cartoon movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Nemo was, and then it was a stream that he had to get into, right? Mm-hmm. So he was kind of out here doing whatever and then he kind of had to find his stream and that stream kind of took him. And that's where I feel I fell into. Like you just fall into like where the universe, like where you kind of meet it and you stumbling, you kind of flipping through the shit. But you feel like you're in the right space, right? Even though you're still dealing with the shit and you feel like you're flipping and falling and tumbling <laughs> yeah. and tripping up and skinning your knee, but you feel like you're in 
where you're supposed to be. And that just mm-hmm. thing. And that, right, exactly. And that's where I feel like I am, man, that I'm still stumbling, still trying to figure this shit out. But I feel like that I'm in the right stream. And that comes from, you know, what we do. What I see, you know, what I see y'all do, what I see, you know, other people do, man, you just feel like you're in where you're supposed to be. And you feel like that when you do fall, I can get up because this is where I'm supposed to be. As opposed to when I fell before, you just kind of lay there like, fuck, I already knew. Yep. That I wouldn't shit, so I'm just gonna lay here in the misery, bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then when you get that love, man, and you start to love yourself, you start to love on yourself, and you start to understand this is where I'm. I feel good about where I am, even though my knees are skint up. I'm still gonna get up and keep moving. So for him, man, I I always want him to, because I always feel like he's almost there, finding that space, and I think that he's getting there. Right, that he's maybe it is. That's where he is. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like yeah. all of those things are part of who he is and his evolution. That's where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be that level of disruptor, even in his bullshit. Like mm-hmm. even in the the market employees and the game <laughs> that he's playing on. That's just part of you know who his what his legacy is. So that mental piece, man, it's 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 still there. Like you said, man, that. Where you feel like you're spiraling, but once you get into that stream and you're feeling love and you're feeling, mm-hmm. you start to feel love for yourself, you start to see shit differently, that you start to sort of feel like that you're on and going in the right direction for me. Yeah. I dig that. You good? You, you, you ever had any issues with any mental stuff? Um, no, not, not, not out of something being like temporary in terms of like I can identify it's, a, it's attached to a, a situation. Okay. Um, but but not any not any more than that. Yeah, I think it's one it's one of those things I think I've always connected with dude on. Like just like just seeing like how conflicted you can be mm-hmm. in your own thoughts and the frustration around having these feelings and ideas and not necessarily the words to articulate them. And, and finding and being so frustrated in that. And um, getting to a point to where it's like, oh, you, I'm just okay with not being able to fucking express it. And then five days might go by and I'll get, a, get the right words or not. But um, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I'm all fucked up around this shit, but. Um, how do y'all feel the last, you know, because <coughs> it's the last half of our shit, right, in terms of life and all that. I, it, that just dreams a good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Because that's how, that's a good, that's how I feel. Right. Um, I feel like you're doing a lot of things, at least from what I've seen, you know, on the outside looking in, for just prepping your legacy and your, your your family to be set up in a certain way. On y'all conversation, y'all were talking about legacy. Um, is that a part of what drives you now in terms of what you do and, and how you do it? I think um, it's interesting because, so what I found, what I internalized from watching the three parts of the documentary is that where I am in my life today um, is 
completely different than where I was last year this day. Com yeah. really? I mean, completely different. And while there are a lot of things that look the same, um, even from a social media perspective or even just talking with me are the same, the fundamentals have changed. It's, it started with a decision to lose some weight last year. Um, I ended up losing about 50 pounds. No shit! Between one March of 2021 and one March of 2022. Bro, there's no way you 50 pounds lighter than what I seen on, on the... 50 pounds. On the <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it's crazy. 50 pounds. What I did not expect to get out of that journey was... Um, the awakening. I, I did not. And, and because the awakening is happening, it has changed what my visions were. It's changed the way, um, the way I do a lot of things. It's changed how I read. It's changed what I read. It's changed what, about, what I begin to absorb into my own life. It's changed how I interact with my friends. It's changed so many different things. Um, and not so much that I'm different across the board, but how I do certain things now. Um, That's fucking beautiful, bro. Yeah, it's, yeah, bro. It's, it's wild because I'm a really, really introspective person. So I spend a lot of things, I spend a lot of time figuring out why I did what I did. However, to before the 50 pounds, I didn't always hold myself accountable for what I found out about myself. Mm. So I would see and then be like, well, that's just Joe being Joe because Joe did that for however many years. Right. My wife would be like, you don't actually have to continue to do that. There is a choice. Take the choice. Nah, right? don't, 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 don't say choices matter <laughs> now, bro. Nah, nah. As long as I don't put the first half on it, I'm good. Right? <laughs> right? Um, but I realized last year in January, I decided to do something with my wife and daughters that I had never done before. I decided to make a New Year's resolution. Not technically. We did a vision board. My wife and the girls will always do the vision board parties. And mm -hmm. I, that's, that's, that's your girls do to get together, right? But I said, all right, let's do it. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll join this time. And then um, I put the vision board on the wall. So when I literally get out of bed in the morning, there's, my, there's our bed. There's my nightstand, my phone. I look up, there's the vision board, and there's the door to my bathroom. So I can't go into my bathroom without seeing the stuff that I had envisioned for this year. Now, that always seemed real corny and cliche to me. And I don't really know if it actually worked, but I'll tell you this, everything on that vision board, I not only did, but I felt myself holding myself accountable to it throughout the year. Um, is it still up? It's still up. And in all actuality, I'm leaving it up for another reason that I learned about myself. And that is, I didn't have the confidence to dream. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow, bro, that's deep. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't have the confidence to dream because I didn't want to find out what happened if I didn't accomplish that dream. So I was literally catapulted, not catapulted, I was stuck in a space that I didn't realize was fear, mm -hmm. right? And then I read this book that, that um, defined it perfectly. Once you get in the fear part, I'm then frozen by analysis paralysis. Mm. So I will spend time looking at something. If I gotta buy plane tickets, mm -hmm. I will hunt down the cheapest plane ticket for three weeks, only to end up sometimes either paying more <laughs> or paying what I should have just fucking bought three weeks ago and been done with it. Yeah. Because I get frozen in trying to learn more and more. I want to learn more and more and more and more. And I wasn't moving. I wasn't moving. And so um, one of the another one of the things that I learned was that in all of this weight loss, I was tethered to some clothing. Like I fancy myself as a pretty fashionable human being. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I'm pretty fucking dope when it comes to dressing. And uh, by society's norms, they've confirmed that for me. But then I'll look on a Facebook memory and realize I've had the same fucking shirt and pants for like 10 years. <laughs> and then I'm looking around. Rocking your bowls, talking about you fly. And I'm like, how are these people thinking that I'm dope? With the pencil pocket. All they got to do is a quick search of my fucking pictures. You'll see this nigga got the, the same pocket shirt. Got, the, got the jazz on. All I did was switch out the sneakers. And now it looks like it's a brand new outfit. Right? So I got rid of everything in my closet, me. Not a single. Down, literally, the only things I still have that I that I pretty much had from a year ago are socks. Seventeen suits, right? I gave away seventeen suits. I still got I for the souls for the district situation. They don't know, but they're getting a rack of sweatsuits and stuff too. Which we gonna big up, by the way. Yeah, right. Appreciate so it, all of that. I gave away a bunch of sneakers over years and stuff like, but. I realized that now I have an opportunity to go back to a stage that I was in prior to the birth of my children, right? Which was um, not being tethered to anything. I was fashion forward. I looked at clothing for the seasons. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I want my look for fall to be this. Yeah. And when I was done with it, I gave it away and I went next fall with something different. But I, I had kids, you know what I mean? I didn't want to leverage their futures whenever it was time to invest money. Mm -hmm. So when I, 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 I tethered myself to this diversifying thing, yeah. which is bullshit. Yeah. Diversifying yourself is what I live my life doing and then I realize you become the jack of all trades and the master of fucking nothing. But at points you need to master something. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? At least get to a, a mastery level and then move to the next thing. Right. You don't have Com to stay there. Yeah, complete it. it complete the, it. Right? It's the funnel thing. It's like you gotta do like it. this to get your shit tight. And then you go just spend yeah. the life just yeah. doing that. Increase the funnel to find out what you want to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. But at Very some point in time, yep. you gotta yeah. When I asked you that question, bro, I never would have. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, at, at the at the Still. end of it all, what I what I found 
um, when you were when you were trying to find the right word of how you were looking at the relationship between Kanye and his mom, I was trying to find find the right word between um, jealousy, envy, or whatever fourth or fifth word there are in terms of um, how he acted on his talents. I am getting to a space in my awakening where I am understanding that I can monetize my talents. I've been giving them away for free for too long, right? And in doing that, I'm not changing why I'm doing something. I'm not changing the reason for doing it or anything like that, but people are getting it from me for free when they would actually pay for it if I had the confidence, right? right? The self-awareness mm -hmm. and that and found the line in the sand between confidence and conceit of saying, you know I do dope shit. That's why you asked me to do it. Right. My price on my price. What I was for. Right. Right. It's so funny you mentioned I'm at a point now. I'm giving away what I feel the most valuable parts of me away are giving them away for free. Like when I'm making my money now isn't, and, I, and I'm, at a period, I'm at a point where I'm trying to figure out a way to monetize my gifts because I'm giving them away at this point. And I'm okay with that. I'm not letting it keep me from showing up yeah. and, 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 and perfecting mm -hmm. the execution of those gifts, but I'm looking forward to being at the point where I'm actually able to monetize them. That's where the analysis paralysis is kicking in. Because I've literally, I had a conversation actually yesterday. I've had a conversation last week. I had a conversation probably in the last year, maybe four or five conversations, where people specifically tell me, I get where you were. You were analyzing. You were gathering all of these things to make who you are. You're past that now. Yeah. You're past that now. Now, you actually have the thing to give away. And you're not doing it. Someone told me to, just, to write a He just talked to book. me about this shit. I, <laughs> I just got on him. Because, and that's the part I was saying about, I'm still the same person I am, I'm just a little different. I'm, because of, because of my crew, my group of, my core group of friends, who when we were talking off camera about growing together, right? In yeah, super pause. Um, I'm noticing. I'm noticing that of horrible. We ain't grow that much. <laughs> we still do some shit like that. <laughs> right. um, I, I, I noticed that it wasn't just. It's not just my talents that's being wasted, right? That my friends have the same have some talents that can be monetized too. And we've spent a lot of years analyzing, perfecting them. We can point out where we, where we were at one stage and where we are today. And we can also find out people who are monetizing some of their gifts, not to compare, but they are at this part where we're already here. Mm -hmm. So now we just got, we all have to be confident with our own, that we've got enough analysis. Let me, let me add on to that. It's a, um, a little nuance for me with the whole thing. I agree with you, you know what I mean? And I assess myself and my lack of value when it comes to money. I don't care, I don't value money. Is 
maybe not even as much as I used to. Like I think I did before, definitely material things. You know, I minimize my, mm -hmm. my life at a, at a point. Um, so I get a lot of satisfaction out of being creative and putting that out and knowing that no one could ever take that away. I did it. I did that. I've already done two souls for the district. I'm about to do another one. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I did that. That video I did yesterday, I did that. That's dope. I with the it. shoes? Yeah, I just I did it. You can never take it away. You know what I mean? I was gonna and fuck with you on the on the, on the Instagram, by the way. I was like, nah, I'm gonna let him you live. You should have, yo. You should have. I'm gonna you know let him saying? live. <laughs> you should have. But um, yeah, you know, so, so I get a lot of value out of and satisfaction out of being creative and putting it out, and I value the journey of doing that and maybe it will go to the monetization and maybe it'll go to the monetization based off of my actions of, like you said, getting out of the analysis and paralysis, taking my old stuff, getting in the space where someone can tell me no. That's what you told me, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Get, have I gotten myself to that space yet? I should try to conquer that. You know what I'm saying? So it's a hurdle in my own mind that I have to get over because I, I don't really have a desire to be rich. Like I don't have a desire to be part of Hollywood. Or, or the industry, I just, I want to be creative, and if it gets to that space, you know, I have to, I have to, it's a hurdle I, I need to get over. It's something yeah. there yeah. that I have to get, get through and recognize, is that where I want to go? Do I want to pursue money? Yeah, but it's it, not, is it money, though? Yeah, I don't think it is. There's creative, right? There's being creative, and there's the, what's the art that's created from that, and then there's business. Yes. And those two things a lot of times really contradict unless you are creative and then the business comes to you. If you are creative and then you want to take it to business, it's things that you have to adjust and change in order to fit inside of here. Mm -hmm. But then if it goes the other way, then that business has to adjust to what you're doing. Right. Right. So that's and and I'm. Like, I don't want to feel like that I have to adjust in order to fit into this thing in order to make money. Me either. Right. Yeah, right. I'm glad you said that. Go ahead. And Go that, ahead. while I understand what both of you are saying, that is different. That is not the full definition of monetizing your talent. Right. Right? And monetizing your talent is you can still be creative. You can still do all of those things on your terms. On your terms, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. You still, you still make those, those, those videos. You still make that content. You have mm -hmm. some content right now that is primed and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Right. The thing about it is, is the difference is production, right? Mm -hmm. Getting up, getting a larger production budget. Now you've got one or two options. You could do it yourself, right? But then you're taking that money out of your pocket to make this larger production for it to just sit on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But it's a dope thing. It's a mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Tune the mm -hmm. fork is a fucking thing. No mm -hmm. doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like we we I show up in the comments because this is dope. When I'm he and I have two hour conversations <laughs> after we you. watch y'all episodes every time. Man. No bullshit. Every you time. You know what I'm saying? And I, I respond in the comments like, yo, I never thought of it that way. Like, that's a thing. And, and, and while, and I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now, so I'm speaking to everyone here in the same manner that I'm speaking to myself. Right. Because someone literally just spoke to me in this exact same way 
both yesterday and the, and the day before. I mean, in the week before and a few times over the year. So do you still find yourself getting into, do you ever find yourself getting into that analysis paralysis still? Yep. Okay. This so morning I woke up based on a conversation yesterday and was like, I got to do one thing. I've got to flip myself towards that tunnel. Yep. Right. Yep. I got to yeah. fl I'm flipping, yeah. but I have some control over which way I'm flipping. Yeah. And yeah. I see the tunnel there. Yeah. Let me flip towards the fucking tunnel. Now, I can't yeah. stop myself from flipping, yeah. but I can at least flip forward that way. But here's this the morning I woke up and decided, I, I literally grabbed my phone as I woke up, started flipping towards it. But here's the, here's the deep part, though, in that sometimes the flipping, you're in the stream when you're flipping mm -hmm. and you're moving towards something. And sometimes you don't even know. You just know that you're moving. Like when we always talk about the process is the fumbling and the fucking up. That's part of getting to that point. Because we always talk about the podcast. We start, we don't know what the fuck we're doing, but we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And doing it is part of it. Even if you don't know where it's going to lead, the creating is mm -hmm. going to get you to that, that next video. It's going to get you to the next thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to get you to the next one. And maybe that fourth one, when somebody comes and says, hey, man, this is good shit. We want to be involved. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But at some point, even if it's the fourth one, if you if you realized or someone outside of your sphere challenged you at the second one. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no right? doubt. So someone someone outside of your sphere challenged you at the second one yeah. to go look for it. Yeah. You may not have, and, and even if you go look for it and you wind up at the fourth one, right. what happens or what, what comes to you at the fourth is no doubt a, a reflection of what you did after it was challenged at the second. That's a fact. The motto has to be, there's, do you want to be right or do you want to be better? Right. Those are two very different Absolutely. things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the tools you use are different. Right. The perspective is different. And when you're, when you're focused on the process, right. it's a lot easier to focus on being better right. than it is being right. right. Then when you're focused on the end product. Right. Because that's something that is just kind of like in out there. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the giant looks in the mirror and doesn't see a giant. Right. Mm. The giant looks in the mirror and doesn't see the giant. And the Donda, which whoever that person is, has to be the person to challenge you and say that you need to attack what you see in the mirror. Yeah. Whatever that mm. is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the challenge has to come from someone that you trust, someone who loves you, or someone who, who sees something in you strong enough to challenge you and say, you got something you're giving away for free. You can still love it, yeah. but you're giving it away for free. It's, it, it keeps happening to me. Yeah. I was in that trajectory where things were just falling into my lap, right? Mm -hmm. yep. I was doing, doing this, doing that, opportunities just kept coming. Mm -hmm. they kept, but I never actively sought an opportunity for fear mm -hmm. that it would be a no or mm -hmm. for fear that I just may not have had all I needed to have to actually tell someone I want to do this. Mm -hmm. But I do. Yeah. I and even do. And, and I even the deep part is, man, even when I do have opportunities to have conversations like that, I don't say, hey, I want to do this. Don't I say dance it. around uh, and yeah, I'm yeah. trying to maybe we can kind. move this around and Hopefully we could do, I don't say, man, I'm trying to be 
this. This is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do this this way. I don't, I don't even talk in those terms. So I said so my first point. no to somebody last week. I, I said my first, nope, I can't do that. He'll be the first to tell you. <laughs> I will, I'm the double back king. I'll drop my daughter off. I'll go over here. I'll yeah. come back. I'll do this. I'll do that. My wife wants me to do this. The girls need that. I'll, I'll fit everything in for everybody. And I won't say no, even if it forces me to procrastinate or whatever it may be. It may seem like procrastination, but I'm just doing too many things at one time. Yep. Are you, Last week, I said no to something. Fucking feels fantastic. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't start this shit. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I literally said no. Closed my little, turned my phone off, closed my laptop. I was like, fuck, I'm going to get on the plane. Like, so freeing. I don't want to let one of the key pieces that you said go by for me just repeating it out loud. <clears throat> Being afraid to dream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's extremely powerful, dude. Yep. yep. And it's something that I don't. It's crazy how I'm an introvert, too. And as much as I'm in my head, I'm not dreaming. I'm like trying to make sense of something that's already kind of yeah. like there. Mm -hmm. I'm not like. And that might. So. That's crazy because. Dreaming, I feel, is a different mental exercise. Yep. It's completely different. Then analyzing. But you know what I realized when I decided and when I say I stopped that, I literally we're talking. This is March. I made a conscious decision in January to actually make to dream for something. You know what I realized? It's fucking in middle of February. What I dreamed for my life by the end of the year. I already knocked that shit off. No shit? February. The middle of February. Already knocked it off. So what does that tell you? That you didn't dream big enough? I didn't dream big enough. And you know why I didn't dream big enough? Because I didn't have the practice of dreaming. Mm. Big. I didn't have the practice of dreaming, period. I just did Joe. Joe's a great guy. Everybody knows Joe. Joe's cool. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always even killed. I'm a great person to be around. I'm fun. Opportunities come my way. So I didn't have the fucking dream. So I didn't have any practice in dreaming. So I gave it my first shot at a dream. Shit was done in February. Now what the fuck am I supposed to do for the rest of the year? Right. I got to dream bigger. So now I'm learning to dream bigger. And then he'll tell you one of my goals for 2022 is push past no. I've got to dream. I got to figure something out to dream that forces me in a space for somebody to tell me no. I don't know what I would do with that. I'd like to believe that I push past it, but do I really? Will I really? Because I haven't actually dreamed big enough for someone to say, ah, that's not really a thing. <laughs> you dig me? Yeah, like, I'm sure. looking at Kanye on this TV. Constantly being told no. Constantly being told and no. Pushing past. And, and pushing past that shit and having yeah. something that literally changed his life, that, that literally the, pe the same people who told him no changed their financial, the generations of their families. 
three and four Grammys, project after project after project, money after money, millions and millions and millions. And he, he was sitting with that, but he kept going and he had, that was a large dream. Jesus walks is a fucking dream. Yeah. Like that's a hell of a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's going to tell you no when they hear Jesus walks. Yeah. I need a Jesus walks in my life. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it is. I tried. Now I got to dream bigger. It's March. I got to set new dreams. Yeah. I even tried to cheat myself out of it. One of my dreams was to have a certain amount of properties by the end of the year. I said, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to have these two in this specific um, situation. I want three of them by the end of the year. It's February. I got two of them already. And then when I realized I need to set a better, bigger dream, you know what I said to myself? My wife was like, well, what are you, you know, what are we going to do now? What are you going to do? What's your number now? I was like, I want them all. That was bullshit. <laughs> that was bullshit. I bullshitted myself. Why? Because it's I was not, afraid to put a number on it again. Not attainable. It's not attainable. What is all? Right. right. What the fuck is all? Is it 10? Is it 20? Is it 30? I don't know. But so, I need to come up with a number, and then whatever that number is. Go for it. Nah. Multiply that shit. Mm. Mm. Because clearly my numbers aren't big enough. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. It's not big enough. I'm reading other books, man, that are just changing the way I think, my habits, all of those things, and realizing that it's, you can't just change one piece of your life. You got to change so many other pieces. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, this one book that I was reading, uh, Blink, just about decision making, yeah. gets you out of paralysis, analysis paralysis. You know what I mean? The, the cash flow quadrant, just how I look at money. Richest man in Babylon, how I look at money, being, not being fearful of investing. That was the other thing. I put a dollar amount. I said, I'm going to take this dollar amount and I'm going to invest it wherever. However the fuck it is, I'm going to do my analysis on it. And I have, whenever the opportunity comes to me, I have three to five days to make a decision. And that's it. Nothing more, nothing fucking less. Habits. Yeah. The habits, habits. The habits yeah. book. The bad, I, it's habits. Yeah. It's habits. And so when we look, I feel like a lot of what our reactions are to Kanye are reflections of fears and weaknesses that we have in ourselves. I, 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 it, it's hard for me to get into what's real and what's not. But it's clear that he's saying what he's saying, and you get the you get the feeling that he believes it. And when we talk about dreaming big and having the practice of dreaming big, often, like being a master of dreaming, yeah, and making that shit come true, right. and then proving to yourself. Imagine dreaming the biggest dream and making that come true. What does that Joe look like? What does that fucking look like? Mm -hmm. What does that motherfucking Joe look like? And then imagine him doing that again. What does that Joe look like? You end up with a fucking ranch on 2,000 acres in Wyoming. I'm talking about... I'm I'm, in a bad way, but I'm, I'm just saying. It just keeps growing. I'm talking about what does that Joe think about Joe? Yes. Yeah. And how does that Joe show up? Right. And how he walking in the rooms yeah. telling motherfuckers, <laughs> look, I'm done being kind. 
You know what? <laughs> <laughs> this you is know, just bullshit. Y'all need to do this shit trash. over. You know what's crazy? There was, there was a moment I, I said to my wife uh, the other night. <laughs> after, after watching the third episode, there's a moment that just jumped out at me. And Kanye's on the phone with his dad, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. In the back of the car. And they're having this conversation. When they pull up to the venue, Kanye gets out of the truck, right? And he keeps walking. And he walks to the door. And he keeps walking. In no portion of Kanye's mind was there ever to grab the door and close it behind him. To open the door in front of him. To open the car door. Nothing. There's no barrier to his life, right? He's created a life that is boundless, both in action and in his mind. None of us are able to get out of our vehicles and just keep walking into fucking Target. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No one is. Somebody got to shut the door. Somebody right. got to shut the fucking door. Right, somebody got to open the door. Somebody's got to open Somebody's the door. Somebody's got to open it. Yeah. These, these things, these types of things, he can't, with where he is and what he's trying to accomplish, he can't be bothered with those types of with things. Those things. Right. Because because you get to a certain point when you realize the greatest value and luxury in life is time. Mm. And every motherfucking thing you do right. is either helping you be more efficient with it or taking it away. At the end of the motherfucking day, when, that's what it always boils, that's what it all boils down to. You can have so much money to where now, like he said, I am interested. Who I I am interested in spending. Someone along he said spending the most time, spend as much time I can 